Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. Alright, let's get this going on the road. On the road. Okay. Edit. You want edit? <laughs> Welcome to another Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. And our friend, Nick Simpson. Hello! <laughs> Glad to have you back, Nick. Uh, How's it's everything good to be been back. going with you, man? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, basically, just school, trying to find time to get out and fly when it's not hailstorm winds, basically. Nice. Was nice. that Nick or David Windestall? Hello! <laughs> Hello! I don't know. Oh, you got it down, Steve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. By the way, I heard uh, he's showing up to FlyFest 2016 this year. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Nice. Yeah. Glad to finally meet him in person. This past weekend, uh, Kevin and I went to Neff, and I got to say, I had a really, really good time up there. I did a lot of flying, a lot of crashing, some building, some mating. Um, it was good to hang out with uh, Kevin Matusek. Finally good to meet him in person and hang out with uh, our friend Dave out there. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, with Kevin's, uh, Kevin had his friend. Well, he had his son out there, Colin. He also had uh, his other friend. What was his other friend's name? Was it Dennis, I believe? Tim? Tom, you mean? <laughs> Kevin's friend was Tom. Tom. No, but he had another friend out there, didn't he? Oh, Eric, yeah. Oh, Eric, that's what it was. Yeah, Eric. And, and Tom's son. I don't remember what Tom's son name, yes, son's name was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was good to hang out with them. They were they stationed right by us, so we were kind of you know just hanging out, doing a lot of building and stuff. Um, I got to uh, build the Mini Raiden, the 30-inch uh, forward-sweeping maiden plane uh, designed by Kevin, and um, it's great. It was cool. Like actually, Josh uh, Bixler was uh, kind of recording the whole thing, uh, not the building part, but the uh, the maiden flight. So that was pretty cool. Maybe. Oh, he did record that. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe it'll come into a little Neff uh, episode. We'll see. But uh, yeah, I built it, made it, crashed it all in one day. <laughs> huh. uh, um, burnt out the motor on like the second or third flight with it. Uh, I guess I crashed and just then shut off the motor. Or I think the motor timing was off from the um, the ESC I got. But uh, yeah, it kind of smoked up, and I was like, it kind of smells burnt. Let me power it back up, power it up, and it just poured out smoke. I was like, oh, yeah, let me disconnect the battery. That's done. I can't believe you built that thing in, in like, whatever the time was that you you put. I mean, it yeah. was, like, an hour, dude, and you, were, you had it built. Well, I mean, Kevin helped me a lot on that. Um, I mean, I would say probably it took – it was, like, two hours, but it was, like, two hours, like, build a little, go fly something, go run around, you know, and then come back and then fly and then build again. Yeah, because you, you built it, and then you went out and bought, like, the parts, the servos, the motor, ESC, and all that. So Yeah, I bought that. All that stuff from uh, West Michigan Flyers, Park Flyers. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had the whole thing, so I just I ended up buying the motor, um, the ESC, the receiver, and two uh, Hobby King servos. You know, so they were selling them for, like, five bucks, the servos. It's a little bit, obviously, marked up from getting it from Hobby King, but, you know, in a pinch, when you're at, at a fun fly, it's great to have vendors there, so... Did he use the five gram servos or the nine on the the nine? Okay, good. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't like using the five gram servos. Um, they strip way too easily, and they don't seem like they have much power to you know. Yeah. Control surfaces. So. Um, yeah, I did some flying with the Oxy Three, uh, my Oxy Three Cube. Yes. It was, it was cool. The first uh, video uh, I know Kevin took, and I think we posted it. Was that on Facebook or Instagram? I think it was Facebook, right? Yeah, Instagram. I only posted like the fifteen second clip that they allow, and I think oh, right. Facebook. I posted the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. On Facebook's the whole thing, and then I think I was like, "Oh, Kevin, you got to post a part when I uh, kind of fly into the three D line a little." And I'm like, "Sorry." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think you posted that like twenty minute, twenty second clip. Um, yeah, and then the second that was all on the first day on Friday, and then I was like, "Oh man, I'm dying to fly this oxy." Um, it was kind of weird. I got a little weird vibe. I, I went over to the 3D line. No one was flying. So I was like, hey, guys, do you guys mind if I, uh, you know, throw up a heli? Like one person looked at me. The others just kind of ignored me. And I was like, okay, then. And I walked over to the. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know, like everyone at Neff seemed very friendly and, you know welcoming and stuff and then like you know these these couple folks were just sitting there like i'm not gonna pay any attention to you it's okay you know maybe they don't like the heli folks i don't know maybe i mean they weren't old but i mean maybe they have the planker attitude you know <laughs> like oh you flying one of those things <sighs> oh, i'm not gonna even acknowledge you so the i kind of planker attitude <laughs> yeah you know the planker attitude or mentality i don't know however you want to say it but, um, yeah, I, I thought that was just very odd. And I was just like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. So I was like, okay, let me go over to the heli line, um, which is still pretty terrible and tiny and small. Um, and I was, I, I didn't stand where I normally stood before, like more in the middle. So I, I was to the edge. And um, I flipped it upside down. You know, I took off, flipped the oxy upside down. And I was like, all right, let me try a quick little inverted, you know, pyro punch out. And... Pfft, before I knew it, it was hitting the ceiling, hitting the wall, <laughs> missed the, you know, one of those like world champion banners, you know, for, I think it was for like softball or something, you know, because it's a college uh, field we're flying at. I uh, missed that sign, came down the wall. It's like a little 45 degree, like, you know, shelf there, hit that and then hit the ground and it landed right on the skids. Yeah, dude, we were on the other side and. I didn't even know you were gone. Like, I didn't even know you went over there. There was somebody else with you, right? Yeah, I forgot his name. He's um, he he's he lives in Ohio or around there. And um, oh yeah, and it was funny because we hear clang, 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 and then crash. And I hear Dave go, "That was Steve." And then I heard somebody <laughs> else go, "That's Steve. Steve's over there." <laughs> it was funny. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I was just looking like as soon as they hit the ground, you know, you do one of those. You look at the flight line, like you look at the where the people are, right? The, you know, and it's just like I just see you. I see everyone looking at. I'm like, oh man. I mean, dude, you're, you're flying this thing. It's not even. It's like half the size of a baseball diamond that they had yeah, to fly. Even, yeah, it wasn't. It was like flying in a closet. It was terrible. <laughs> I mean, you, you basically shouldn't be doing anything other than just going up and hovering and. Yeah, it was it was weird. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's I was just I guess you know I was, I was just itching to fly, and yeah, that that ceiling came up real quick. <laughs> that wall was right there before I even knew. It. Like it literally took the heli like a second and a half to go from 
of you know inverted hover about a foot or two off the ground into the wall. Like it was just like that. I was like, wow, yeah, yeah. And I probably shouldn't have tried to do inverted pyro <laughs> punch outs in the you know indoor uh, arena, but you know that's that's one of my pad moves. I, mean, I got to try it. You know, yeah, dude. <laughs> and you weren't gonna let that oxy sit on the table all day. That was no. probably the other thing. It was probably like. Yes. Fly me, Steve. Fly me. Yes, totally. It's talking to me like, come on. Don't neglect me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, the damage wasn't too bad. You know, I broke a couple of lengths. All the spindle shafts were bent. I cracked one blade in half. Tail boom was fine. Everything else looked fine. I didn't even strip the main gear. Oh, and one, servo, uh, one set of servo gears and the landing gears uh, cracked on the front. So I had most of the parts. Actually, I had all the parts. Um, so it's back, you know, fixed already. Nice. Um, so one of the other things I've been working on is uh, on the Goblin 700. I'm trying to see how I could swap out the the Neo on there because um, I have a Neo that's non-V-Link, so it doesn't have the radio portion. And then I have the what they call, I guess, a V-Link or, a ne- or V-Bar satellite for the V-Control. So since the 700 is my biggest bird... And I have plenty of room for extra stuff on it. I um, wanted to swap it out on that and then use the Neo that has the built-in radio um, to base or built-in RX, I should say, to uh, use on either the Tariq or my Goblin 380 or, you know, one of my other helis, uh, the smaller birds. So one cool thing about the V-Control is all the settings are saved on the, the Neo. On the radio? No, on the Neo, the uh, fly barless unit. Okay. Like everything, your name, everything. Like whatever you can think of, it's saved on that. And then basically when it connects to the V-Control, then it, you know, you'll see all your settings. You can make your changes and stuff like that. So there's a feature where you can save the model. So what I'm trying to do is I'm going to save the model off the Neo that's on there, install the other Neo, and then restore the settings and see if that'll work. Um, I think it will, you know, like it should do my pitch, my collective, my cyclic, you know, and all the gains and everything. It should just transfer every, all that, you know, those settings over. So we'll, we'll see. I'm going to shoot to, uh, have it ready by this Friday. Uh, I mean this Saturday and go flying. So cool. Yeah. And that's about it for me. How about you, Kevin? Well, I worked on the racer a little bit, my racer that has, uh, tracks in it and i had the fuse and the wing i had to put together so that was before we left i, I got a chance to work on that a little bit um because that's been sitting there bothering me <laughs> and i know i have the uh the corsair that i'm working on the regular sized um but i worked on that and uh, then we took off for neff man and neff was was awesome dude i had a great time we hung out with dave and uh yeah. Dave is the man, dude. Dave hooks us up with a with a spot. We came in, we helped everybody out, you know, carrying stuff around and doing mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Dave's Dave's a riot, man. I like Dave a lot. He's a good guy, but he's got some crazy builds. He's the guy that built that uh, Klingon bird of prey, which I love. I want to build one. Yeah, I was I was texting him when we got back, like all the details. I wanted to find out like what size EDFs he used in that, and he has a build video, but he flew that around. Uh, and I think he flew it on 4S, right? At, at at some point. I think he flies it on 4S, yeah. Oh, because I asked him in a text, and he said, "No, outside I'll fly 3S, but I know inside he put 4S in it." 
Oh. And uh, it was it was moving. It's got two twin EDFs. In case you guys wondering what 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 it looks like, and it looks like a bird. Of, it's just ominous to fl- when you see it flying around. Yeah, it's just bank and yank. You know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a Versa wing with uh, things backwards, like forward forward swept wings. I guess they call it. Yeah, it's kind of like the 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 Raiden. <laughs> yeah, you know, like long fuselage, but you know, but it looks just like a bird of prey from star trek man mm-hmm. and then he had another weird looking thing it was kind of like the, it, that actually was a looked like a versa wing with with the wings backwards like you'd messed up and instead of wing, wings being swept backwards you have like swept forward wings and he had a little power pod in the middle of that and i think he let bixler fly that at one point i, I think so yeah that was the black one he did it out of black foam yeah, or black. He, well what that was is the bird of prey wing i believe with oh. an FT Cruiser power pod, oh. like just one side, you know, like one one motor. Oh right, yeah, he did say that, yeah, because it kind of like rolled up into the into the frame there, up into the mm-hmm. wing. Yep. So, one of the first things we did was I took the well, the 180 over to that heli line or heli corner. I don't know. It's like bad. Get in the corner, and uh, I I flew that and dumb thumbed the crap out of that. I flew it up. I flipped it a few times. I had it inverted. I was so it was so weird because I wasn't used to flying inside number one. And then you got all the lights in there. It was yeah. so like blinding, but you you lost orientation real fast. And yeah, that thing's made, small to begin with. It made the heli look just a silhouette. Yeah. So much of the the lighting on the top. Yeah. So I flipped that over a few times, and then I think I flipped it over. The last time I flipped it over, I didn't remember to put negative. So it just came like straight up in a loop and straight back down, nosed it straight into the into the ground, and uh, crashed that pretty good. I put the f- the frame through the uh, through the canopy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we posted a picture of that. I think on Facebook. Yeah, that was that nuts, canopy man. got shredded up. Wow. Yeah, it was just like the frame went right through the canopy. It was crazy. <laughs> but man, is- aside and then after that, dude, I was not flying the oxy in there. I was like, no way. I'll I'll want to flip it over and then I'll do something stupid. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? That that'll just sit on the table, and I'm kind of glad I did that. <laughs> yeah, but man, I flew the hell out of that Beaver. I must have. I don't. I couldn't even tell you how many batteries I put through that. Like at least twenty in a right? weekend. Yeah, the two days definitely. You must have gotten like almost thirty or forty flights between the two days. Yeah, Nick, that's the the Twisted Hobbies crack Beaver. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I see the uh, pictures you posted on Facebook of that thing. I mm-hmm. like the ending of it. Yeah. I mean, I got more <laughs> foam tech in that, I think, than actual plane. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Dude, that, I, was, I was like, when, when uh, Bixler family showed up, uh, I, w- I said to Mikey, I was like, you know, I know Mike likes, um, Josh's son Mike likes uh, to fly uh-huh. 3D stuff. So I was like, hey, Mike, you want to try it? You know, and he was like, no, that's okay. And I'm like, believe me, you can't trash it any worse than I've, I've done to it and but yeah, he was he was cool he didn't, he didn't fly it nick if you want to fly we're out at flight fest man fly the hell out of it i don't care i mean right. it's it can take a beating that's if i don't buy another one and, and rip the stuff out of it but i, I probably won't no right. you still have my other one <laughs> and i have your other one yeah that you yeah. sold me so what else what else did we do there i flew the haboo the mm-hmm. little mini haboo and i i'm really not a fan of those two cell batteries that you have to charge with that charger i don't because at one point I was like, I don't know if it's charging. I don't know if it's not charging. I put it in the plane and I'm flying it around. And like 20 seconds later, I'm getting that low battery, you know, the the motor going in and out. 
Yeah, so pulsing like, motor. Oh, yeah. Jeez, I think I had a bad battery. So I got to figure out if I ever want to fly that thing, you know, indoor again. I like it because it makes a lot of noise, but it doesn't really go too fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you uh, do like what everyone does and cut the cable and use your regular charger for it? Yeah, I think I'm going to wind up doing that or I'm going to wind up putting the because uh, I did that with the beast that I have. I have a 2S that has a JST connector on it. I have a bunch of those batteries. Yeah, that'd be perfect. So I think I might do that with the with the Habu. But uh, and I flew that baby blender that I have the one that's well you, you took a video of it Steve mm-hmm. the yep yep one it's that on got done up like a steerman yeah a lot of people were asking about the landing gear on that like I had at least like five people ask me and I was like that's Steve over there he 3D printed some landing gear yeah that's my design yeah <laughs> not was, really a design though <laughs> it was simple but yeah yeah and, and I was like I know that we posted a thread about that on the FT forums because I can remember being at Green Pond with with um with jeff and shooting a video of me just taking off and i think i rolled it and then i came in for a landing mm-hmm. i remember posting that and we said you know if anybody's interested you know text us or email i think email us and yeah or message us yeah yeah message us somehow and steve will uh will get in touch with you because i mean you could have you know sold them or whatnot or sent people the the file to print out their own or whatever so then i we we got the chance to see I'm going to screw up his name because I screw up every time. Andres Lou. It's like Andrew with an S. So I, I can't, my brain can't figure out how to say that. So I think that's right. Andres. 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 Yeah. He was the, he was the young man that um, Dave had given the mini vig into. And last year he was there with a Messerschmitt. Uh, I think it's a uh, ME109. Mm-hmm. That, that was maybe, I don't know, six or seven foot wingspan. And he was flying it around. He built it all out of, um, I think it was the blue foam he built that out of. Yes. I don't know, but it's like. It's, like, it's all painted up. Yeah. yeah, it's all painted up. And it's got built-in flaps so he can, uh, you know, tool around nice and slow. And that's a big hit there. Well, he had built a large, a larger plane than that. He yeah. built a P-38. And we posted a video of that. And I think he had only flown that once prior to, to uh, Neff. So um, it was pretty cool. He was. He was flying that a few times. Yeah, it didn't even look completed. It looked like, you know, there's still some turtle deck missing. Um, the, I think the nose cone wasn't finished up. Like, he still had some work to do with that. Yeah. But um, And painted, of course, too. But, uh, yeah, that thing looked great, though. Yeah, he's a he's a nice kid. And, uh, man, he does some great work. Like, he does yeah. it all former, you know, does all formers inside. And that one was that one was made out of uh, Dollar Tree foam. He just took the, the paper off. Yeah, very talented kid. Yeah, and I picked up a kit from uh, Mike Spring, uh, which is, he's, I guess, the owner of OneSheet.com. And uh, the kit looked great. It's a C-47, and it's about, um, what was that, 40-something inches, 41, 42 inches? I think something like that. Yeah. Around 40 inches. And I looked at the kit, and it's it's kind of old school meets new school kind of like because there's a there's a lot of balls in there and there's a lot of forming in there and i think what i'm going to wind up doing is cutting a template out of dollar tree foam and seeing if i can use the flight test you know techniques on that mm-hmm. but what really interested me was i like to do the tape covering from tape brothers and he had uh done that on this um i think it's like builder's foam or something they call it uh, i'm not sure it's like dollar yeah. tree foam without the paper yeah. So he had done he had done tape 
on that. Like on the wings, he made like yellow wings and a red fuselage, and he had formed like the fuselage. So it really looks like a nice model. So I want to try that, you know, try the tape technique on, on more of a curved like fuselage and stuff like that, see how that comes out. Yeah, uh, one correction. It's um, one sheet kits dot us. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. that's his. That's his uh, website. He also has another website called modelplanefoam dot com, and that's the that's the foam that he uses for those kits. So, oh, yeah. okay. But yeah, yeah, I have his business card right here, so I figure I might as well give out the shout out, you know, correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, man. Thanks, dude. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, I, I ran into. Um, a kid that was right next to us, this guy, Kid Miles, who was an FT fan and and said he had seen me on a couple of videos or something. And I told him about the, I told him about the um, the podcast. And I said, we're you know we're a little more mature, but uh, but we had met before at Flight Fest 15. I think he was he was hanging out in the in the garage with Dave. He probably knows Nick and everything. A nice mm-hmm. kid. Um, he had built a little Corsair and a bunch of little planes that he was flying. And then Bixler showed up with his family, and Alex showed up, and Alex's dad it was good to see Alex's dad. I like talking to him; he's a good guy. Yeah, Steve's a great guy. Yeah. Um, but Bixler saw my baby blender and was like, "You know, I haven't flown a baby blender in like two years. You got you're gonna let me try that out, right?" And I was like, "Oh, absolutely." So uh, I've got a battery in that, and he's just bouncing all over the place. Like when he's there, you know, like everybody mm-hmm. wants his attention. Is so I I, I kind of like. I've talked to him a few times. We both talked to him at length, you know, a yeah. couple of the, the places went out in Queens and whatnot. So I hate to like be like, I don't want to hog all his time or anything. I just want to say hi and, you know, let him do his thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, eventually, yeah, I got a battery together and, and we got out to the flight line and he had the, that, the Sparrow and he basically gave me his transmitter, uh, and I gave him mine and we like, we were flying together there. It was, it was pretty cool. And he was like, he loved it though, man. I heard he took off. He started he started laughing, and I was like, you know, he's asking me what I thought of the sparrow, and I was like, you know what? It's really not what I thought because I had read a lot of reviews and a lot of comments, and people had said, you know, this really isn't a beginner plane. You shouldn't be calling it a beginner plane. And uh, I said it's kind of a mix between a four channel and a three channel in a way, because you know how when you fly a three channel and you have no ailerons, you have rudder and elevator. The tail, like I'm, I'm thinking of the Scout, for instance, the FT Scout, mm-hmm. and even on some of the larger ones, like a Fly Glider or whatever, anything that has like that dihedral or polydihedral, when the tail kind of drifts around, like when you come out of a corner, the tail kind of like drifts back and forth a little bit. This thing was three channel, but it still was locked in. I, maybe it was because of the V tail. It, it had to be, it had to be because of the right. V tail. Uh, so that thing was like dialed in pretty good, man. It was. I can see a beginner. Maybe going from a, uh, his first plane to this and having a good time with it because it was it was pretty straight. It flew pretty good, man. Nice. Yeah. So uh, we had a good time, man. And I I had that Gropner radio, which was heavy, man. Oh yeah, a lot How'd heavier than ours. It was oh. nice. It was nice radio, uh, but I noticed the the heft to it. You know, I felt the the gimbals felt the same. You know, didn't feel okay. really that much different. Okay. But then we hung out with Dave, man. Had a couple of drinks at the hotel. We went out <laughs> with him and his buddy the second night. Um, yes. His buddy Dennis. And yeah, dude, it was just, I had a great time, man. I got a chance to talk to Kevin Matusik and, and Tom, his buddy, um, and Eric, man. He's, he was a great guy, too, man. Showing me all the pictures of stuff that he had built. And yeah. Um, 
they looked like they were just out having fun, man, having a good time. Definitely. And Kevin let Dave fly his um his full size radiant, and Dave took it around once and then put it in the <laughs> yeah, put it into the net <laughs> in the, into the nets that they have. They have these nets that they drop down to like a section it off, and uh, yeah, he put it in the net. He felt like crab. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it happens, man. But they, they, he got it down that night. They lowered mm-hmm. the nets and everything came down. So, yep, it's cool. I finally got my eye charger in the mail when we got back. I'm probably nice. missing a whole boatload of stuff that happened at Neff, but uh, yeah, I got my eye charger in the mail and uh, I hooked it up immediately to the two power supplies that I had. And I have two sets. I have like a light set and a heavy duty set. And the light set for some reason did not work right like they were it was going up to about two amps and then they were shutting off and these oh, are really? 30 amp yeah units oh, so wow. i don't know if i had the wrong pins shorted i started met- messing around with that there's n- i can find nothing online for these things so i kind of scratched them and i started using the other ones that i know you know come on i have a green light and all that mm-hmm. uh, the larger ones dude they don't even they don't even ramp up like servers power supplies would ramp up like they, I've never heard them click on full, and I've charged at 15 amps now. And hopefully, when we come back from flying Saturday, if I go to charge the oxy, oh, I'm sorry, or the goblin batteries, those are 6s 1800s, and I have six of them. So I'm going to try and charge all six if they're relatively the same voltage, and that'll be at like 20 amps. That'll be like the highest amperage I'll I'll try and charge at. 20, okay. Yeah, but I did some tests on that and. The eye charge is awesome, man. I charged, uh, I charged three of them earlier today, and it took twenty five minutes of those six S batteries, and they were down to like you know thirty percent or whatever. Nice. Uh, which eye charger did you get? The uh, three hundred six. Okay, it's a thirty amp six cell. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like it, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to getting uh, those other those other power supplies working or something. You said you had a set. Yeah, I have a set for you, man. They're the, the DPS 800s. I think they're 20 amps each, but um, they're Where's small. Where's my set? They're small. I'll Where's get you a set. set? <laughs> I'll get you a set. Uh, yeah, I should be able to get you a set because, yeah. That'd be cool. I know my brother-in-law, he gave me he gave me a server a while back, and I think it's still sitting under my stairs to the basement, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look and see what's in that. Yeah, if it's a really old server, you might not want to use it, but you could use those power supplies. <laughs> yeah, I mean the server's well, ridiculously old. Like the hard drives yeah. are like three hundred gig, I think, in them. Yeah, they're probably scuzzy drives too. So like, it's gonna cost you way too much money to like actually. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, cool. Those old servers, eh, they're pretty much useless now that almost every, uh, I guess if you want to call it the OS, the server OS is all 64-bit, and all the old servers are 32. Yeah, right. true. Yeah. I mean, I run Linux on all my servers, so it doesn't really matter, 6432. It's, it's yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, so, Nick, what you been up to? Um, well, most people know I started a complete rebuild of the Monster Spitfire. Uh, and about halfway through recovering... Uh, all my foam. I ran out of the red rosin paper. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Worst part is, is I can't find the same thickness of paper. So I had to order it online, and it looks like it's probably not going to get here till like the eleventh. Really? Yeah. So I, I got a bit to go. I finally had my two uh, two first flights, 
flights. Wow, English. <laughs> uh, two first flights of the year. Uh, didn't even end up using a full 2200 3-cell. Oh, man. Yeah, I took my old P-51, cut up some of it, put FPV on it, restraightened some of the linkages, changed over the ESC, because I only have one right now, and I'm down to no more motors left, thanks to it. Uh, I got up in the air for about 30 seconds, did a line of uh, line of sight flight for to check it out before I decided to throw my goggles on. And probably about the third circuit I did, it just, the motor just cut out. Couldn't, oh, jeez. Couldn't, couldn't do anything to get it back. Just tried to land it as soft as possible, which wasn't really that soft. Um, got it home, tried to figure it out, pulled the motor out. One of the wires decided to stay behind instead of coming through the firewall. Uh. So, so I resoldered that back up, got it back in the air, probably not even half the time for the first flight, and ended up clipping the smallest, longest branch I could find and got it stuck about 80 feet up in a tree. Oh, damn. Yeah. The greatest thing was is it, it pointed nose down, and it was just caught perfectly where I could throttle up, shut it down, throttle up, shut it down, and it would just start bouncing. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> So, so I got it sitting there bouncing, and I keep like punching it full throttle, mm-hmm. and then it and then it finally falls, and I just I, I I had to close my eyes, and I just hear it clunk 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 clunk, just all the way down the tree, um the pachinko down the tree, yeah, <laughs> literally. Uh, so I finally walked over to my neighbor's yard, uh, two houses down, and I'm looking up in the tree, I can't find it anywhere keep looking, keep walking to where I think it's going to be, and then I almost step on it. <laughs> it still is on the ground, okay. Yeah, my last sight of it, it was still in a branch, and when I finally got to it, it was on the ground. Um, just about ripped my, uh, any electronics that it could grab, it, it about ripped them out. But everything was there. It was still intact. Uh, not a whole lot of damage to the foam. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> was this an FT plane? Yeah, the FT P-51. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much that's all I've been working on. Oh, and the uh, the Corsair. I've been slowly cutting that out. Now, did you blow up plans for that, or is it, are you still going with your own your own setup? Uh, no, that's just the, the Alps stock. Oh, nice. Yeah. Are you you're doing a regular size first? Yeah, I'm going to do a regular first. Um, I'm hoping to have the P-51, uh, a normal size Spitfire, and the uh, Alps Corsair all for flight fest i ordered up some more escs and motors and then i'm hoping i can get the 200 percent spitfire all cut up and ready to go cool man so looks like everyone had a pretty eventful weekend crashing or not mostly <laughs> I, crashing i didn't even talk about my uh crashes at nef i i kind of skipped over that part but um just everything yeah. yeah, just I know bet. that you you flew that bushwhacker inside with that 480 motor. Yes, and we were calling it the Angel of Death because it was just tearing through planes. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was one pack, like, and I, I don't know, I how many planes was it? I think it was like three or four planes. I, I know. know you cut some dudes. Uh, UMX Radian. UMX radio radian like in half. No, it was like 
probably about three inches from the wingtip in. I oh. just cut, I just cut it right in, like cut that wing right off, like at that part. It's not like you purposely go to do combat either. It's you you want to fly a pattern, and a lot of times, you know, stuff just happens. Yeah, Someone gets in the way. Well, you know, a lot of them I notice is folks don't wait till like a plane goes by to take off. <laughs> so you're coming down the flight line, you know, and someone just throws a plane like perpendicular into the flight line to take off because they're they're standing on the flight line. So they don't like toss it to the right where you're following the pattern. They just toss it straight out. And of course, you know, my plane comes in. Yeah. And sometimes you have five, six planes coming by at the same time and you're going to throw a plane out into all that. Yeah. I'd so. like to see my 200% Spitfire just eat something. <laughs> oh, dude, it was it was bad. Well, that happened to me with the beaver. I was flying the beaver around, and uh, Kevin's Kevin Matusik's kid, Colin, launched uh, something out. Well, uh, yeah, the, the, the dart, the dart. Yeah, and my the beaver got stuck right into like they wedged the wings like wedged together. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's we a good picture on Facebook. Yeah. yeah, that was the picture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, funny. It was awesome, man. I it had was a good definitely time, good man. time. Yeah. I, I don't know how many times I repaired that beaver, though. That was just... My landing gear was coming apart, and uh, what else? At least I didn't rip the nose off this time. No, you didn't. By the way, did you know that... Uh, I mean, flight test fans will probably get kicked out of it, but Bixler used your hot glue gun. No, just, did he? Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> he came over, he's like, hey, brother, can I use your hot glue I'm like, yeah, of course, go for it. Dude, <laughs> you know? don't have to ask, man. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, all right, let's get into our main topic here. Wonders of electricity redux. Fun. Fun. Let's bring it back. <laughs> um, this was probably the most commented, well, the you know, the first time we did this, the Wonders of Electricity, it was probably the most commented or most, uh, ep- you know, feedback episode, I think. The, the episode with the most feedback. Yes. Thank you. English. Because yes. we butchered almost everything. And Nick was one of the... Grand Poobahs of the feedback for sure. <laughs> He's just like, a wee bit. You, how do you do an episode about electricity <laughs> and not have the guy who's going to school for it? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So uh, it looks like Nick adds some um, definitions yeah. here or some things. <laughs> sure. I, I was just, uh, I had a good time laughing at you guys. You were like, what is C? What is C? And you know, you were talking about like currents, volts, resistance, and Capit- whatnot. Capacity. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Capacity. Yeah, so I, I marked it down in our show notes just to kind of, like, make fun of it. Um, you know, the Coulomb is C, current, even though it's a C, it gets I. Capacity, to C, it gets F. Right, well, capacity because of ferroid, right? Yeah, That well, that's, it's measured scale. That uh, yeah. It's still capacitance, yeah. Okay, and V for volts. Mm-hmm. And R, R for resistance. resistance. Yeah, and yeah, W yeah, for yeah. watts. And I was even listening to our no. episode... No, it is not W for watts. What it is, is it? P. It's P for watts. P. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's power. Right. See, I was watts gonna, is power. I was going to say something that used to drive my uh, electronics tre- teacher crazy was I was listening to our episode, the one that we did that we butchered so bad, mm-hmm. and uh, you had said something, Steve, like it's the amount of watts you you pull out of it or it's the amount of watts you, you draw out of it and i was like that used to drive my electronics teacher crazy because you wouldn't you're not drawing watts watts is a product of the voltage times the current 
So yeah, you're drawing amps, right? It, yeah, it's actually you're outputting watts because Wattix is a product is is a heat basically burn off huh. of your voltage so, so times so your what current. Is, what is watt watts again? Power. Wait, what what's the short term for that? Uh, what do you mean? You said P. P. Yeah. Yeah. P. So what's watt watt? PP. <laughs> No, just, uh, I don't know. I'm being stupid now. <laughs> That's for our five-year-old listeners out there. Yeah. That's, see, we're kid-friendly. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, all right. So <laughs> we, we, you know, we got a whole bunch of questions from, uh, from Javier, one of our listeners. And, you know, he, he gave us a lot of good feedback about the episode. And, and you know, I kind of told him, hey, you know, we'll, uh, uh, you know, I'm thankful for the feedback. We're going to actually... Looking to uh, doing a part two or or whatever of this show to kind of and we'll use your your questions and stuff as kind of a you know we'll, we'll kind of make the show around it so um, so most of these questions are for him and you know hopefully this will help not just the folks that have been in the hobby for a long time but also for folks that are very new to this hobby and and don't know um, the basics very well so we kind of want to cover that spectrum there so and I'm sure it'll even help me. <laughs> It'll probably lead to a part three. Oh boy! <laughs> Someone, someone's still gonna have questions. Of course, yeah, and that's fine because you know we're all at a different, you know, phase or a different uh, stage of this hobby. So you know, some people are gonna want no more. Definitely. Yeah. So the first thing he had questions about is uh, cells. Like you know, you have your cell count right on a battery, um, and one of the questions he asks is. Where does the famous 3.7 volt minimum discharge for a battery come from? That's more along the lines of the chemistry of the battery. You have your chemical breakdowns to where the, you, everyone knows if you drain a battery, a lipo, all the way dead, you're not going to get a full charge out of it ever again. Right. Um, now, when you say chemical breakdown, you know I want people to note that this is about lithium polymer. Now, you know... Lifey or lithium ion, they have different minimal voltages or discharge voltages. So, yes. So, so you're basically saying that you know anything, any battery that gets below 3.7 volts or any lipo. Let's just I want to make sure everyone understands we're we're going to mainly be talking about lipos here. So any lipo battery or one cell lipo that goes below 3.7 volts. Um, basically, the chemicals inside and the polymer and stuff kind of start to break down, right? And, yes. And they can and no longer hold that charge anymore or the capacity. Yeah. It's the yeah. same thing where if you if you keep a battery charged for too long, it's uh, the only stable point within the chemical is roughly around the storage charge. That's why, you know, they have that type of deal. Right. Um, the chemicals are obviously you can't really stop them. Um, there are ways to slow them down, keeping them within balance at a storage charge, mm-hmm. keeping them cool. It stops chemical reaction, but yeah, there's no way to completely stop it. So why would someone or a plane or a helicopter need more cells? An easy way to talk about it is more like water pressure. It, mm-hmm. it may take more pressure to get a motor spinning or to do something. Uh, a lot of times it's just pretty much for that reason. You just need more volts, more pressure to do more right uh, and to my understanding the way i look at it is 
you know, we buy these motors, right? We buy these 1000 KV, 22, 21 motors or, you know, whatever the Park 370s, Park 400 play motors, even in the helicopters, you know, running my uh, Goblin I have is running a Scorpion 3020, um, 1000 KV motor. And the way I look at it is the KV, right, directly represents um, how many RPMs per volts that motor spins. So if you're talking about, okay, you know, say... 3.7 volts that motor is only going to spin at i don't know what's the math three uh i can't do math right now whatever 3.7 times a thousand let's move to decimal point over 3700 rpm mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right that's not enough for a helicopter to you know that's not enough for my motor to spin up the blades and have power so you would increase that by increasing the, the number of cells which increases the number of voltage so to get the proper head speed with gearing and motor speed that you want or the optimal motor speed where it's spinning at a good rate where the electricity is flowing good, it's getting enough cooling and stuff, you know, you want to hit a certain RPM on that motor. So to gain that, you need to directly have, you know, your voltage of your battery supply enough volts. So in the Goblin helis, it's, you know, or the 380 per se, um, it's, you know, you run a 6S pack. You run a 22.2 volt pack, so that way you can get the desired motor speed in turn gearing it to provide you with the proper head speed. Also, one thing I noticed is um, a lot of times when you increase the voltage and you keep the motor the same, you actually decrease the amount of amp draw. Yes, and because it's not using... Uh, it, or I should say the the pressure of the voltage is making up for the amp draw, right? Which also means it's safer on your ESC. I wouldn't say that it's safer, dude, because if your equipment can handle it, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, yes, of course. I mean, in, because in if, the world, if you ha if you have an LED that you you have a a one volt source for, you're not mm -hmm. going to get a brighter LED by t changing it to nine volts. You know, we know we're getting into resistors, but that's exactly what happened with my little mini Vigan. It was set for 3S. The ESC couldn't handle the voltage of a 4S, even though it was less amps. That's what fried it. Yeah, because obviously the circuitry needs to be able to support the voltage. I mean, I'm talking about in the aspect of like, and that's kind of his next question, which size heli requires, which cell size battery. But like, take for instance, a 500 class or a 550 class heli, right? My 570 Goblin. I can run that 6S or 12S as long as my powertrain, my ESC and motor can handle that. So, you know, if I was running 6S, I would get a KV motor that's double than what I have right now, which is uh, about five, 520, I think, or 540. And it would be a higher KV motor but I would run less volts. Now, in turn, to flip that on to the other side where I can run a 12S pack running 44 volts, now I could run the same ESC or even a smaller ESC that can handle 12S, you know, make sure it has to be high voltage. Um, and, but my motor will now, the KV of the motor will get decreased by what I have currently, which is the 520 or or 540, whatever it is. So obviously you want to make sure your your components can handle the higher voltage. And a lot of them, you know, depending on what it is, what application, planes are usually, uh, I find, are very like, you know, the, um, how would I say it? Like you buy a 30 amp ESC, most likely it can only handle 2 to 3S. 
and it'll state it in it, you know, when you buy it or in the technical specifications for it. Um, but then there's, you know, planes that I have that, you know, are 4S rated or even higher 6S rated, you know, ESCs. And, you know, and that's when you start getting into like having the ability to run 3S and gear it up or run 4S and gear it down and that type of thing. So. Right. If you were to increase the voltage and go with a 4S on a plane, you'd want to decrease the prop size. Yes. Um, yes. Which I know this is kind of getting off topic a little bit, but you would want to do that just so you're not then taxing out the the amps the through motor. the ESC. Yeah. Or in the, or the motor. Yeah. Yeah. Because then your motor will get really hot and you end up burning out the motor or burning up the ESC. So so uh, in, the, in the aspect of which size of heli requires which cell battery, um, to break it down, basically, there's real no, I mean, there's some standardization, I would say. But it's kind of a, a scale where you can kind of range. Now, take for instance my Blade, when I used to have the Blade 360 CFX, and I'm going to talk in more helicopter realm because um, that's where you see the variation more, I think, than in planes. Planes are like, if it's a 3S, it's a 3S. You know, you can't really step it up too much. But you, can, but you, will, you can, but you only go up to usually 4S. Yeah, you, you only you go one cell count higher. To, yeah, you don't go from 3 to 6. Right. But like, so in helicopters, like, okay, you know, my Blade 360 FX, um, all the components in that airframe was actually from my Blade 450X. So let's just say as a Blade 450X, I would run 3S packs. That was what came with the heli originally. That's what I used to run. But, you know, when I transplanted that powertrain, so, you know, the ESC motor um, was all the same. As what it was in the other heli, but because I ran bigger, um, I ran the same blades, but I run a three-bladed head, and and it's a bigger airframe, it's a little bit longer, um, and I needed more power. So what I did is I just bumped it to a 4S. I didn't gear it to anything different. I just left it, and then I just adjusted my head speed to my liking, and it flew great in 4S. It had tons of power. I had way less, um, uh, what do you call it, sag in the motor, or not sag. Um, bogging yeah. in the motor which gave me a quicker response and you know that thing you know was was awesome i loved it but um so like a 450 size would normally be 3s unless you're talking about the newer standardization of a, a stretched 450 like the align t-rex 450l the dominator the 360 cfx the dominator <laughs> yeah nice <laughs> <laughs> and those would actually run 6s batteries in a four in a four fifty size frame or a little bit bigger than four fifty. Um and then when you bump yourself up to like say a goblin three eighty, which is more like it's still a stretch four fifty, but it's a little bit stretched even further, I would say. You know, it's running the three eighty millimeter main blades and that uses success. Yeah, we might be confusing a lot of plane pilots out there or a lot of new guys. When Steve says a 450 size heli, the the blades on a 450 size heli are usually 325 millimeter, and that's what. Yes. Thank God the helicopter companies are getting away from all this crazy labeling, and they're sticking with like if a Goblin 380 is has 380 millimeter blades on it. Yes. Not um, all manufacturers are doing this though. Okay. One of my favorite manufacturers, and thank God for SAB. Sorry for this tangent, but one of my favorite favorite. RC helicopter brand does not follow the suit. And can you guess which one that is, Kevin? Synergy? Nope. Uh, you, ha you have one. Blade? No. Nope. 
Theoxy? Well, Blade, Blade, Blade now doesn't. They now follow. Oh, Blade, yeah, now with the 360. 360 to 230, like all that stuff, yeah. Is it Oxy? Yes. Oxy yeah, but... 3 is a 300 size heli. And what blades does it run? 255, 285? It's a 285 stretched, yeah. They don't hit 300 at all. Yeah, right, but they're not really, they're not calling it the Oxy 300, though, either. They're just calling it the Oxy 3. But the 3 represents the size, the 300 class. If you talk to anyone and ask, oh, what class is that Oxy 3? They're going to tell you it's a 300 size. The Oxy 4 that's hopefully going to be released this summer is supposed to be a 450 size heli, and it's running 315, 315 blades, yeah. Okay, so I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's just like a number thing, and they just don't want to. They kind of like when Goblin came out. That whole line, you know, I'm going on a real big tangent now. But the whole big um, blade size of like 450s being 325, that wasn't a line thing, right? Like they kind of brought that out, and that's and everyone caught on to that because the lines were so popular back then. Right, a line was the IBM of the day, more or less. So everybody took that standard. Yes. And then and then, you know, and then companies like, you know, Blade and not not Blade, um, Goblin and, you know, some other companies. I'm, I'm sure there's someone who who did it, a company who did it before um, SAB. But, you know, they they started saying, hey, you know, this is a Goblin 380. It runs 380 mains. You know, you have your 570, it runs 570, you run your 630, 630, 700, you know, which is kind of funny. My 700 runs 690. But anyways, you know, it's it's there. It's 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 the size, right? Like, you can confidently say, hey, that's a 700, it's running 700 mains. Yeah. You know? uh, and I would say that Goblin or SAB is kind of the align of today, more or less, just in that respect, where a lot of people are flying those, those helicopters. They're like... That everybody I know has a 380 at least. Yeah, SAB is the line killer. Yeah. When SAB came out, a line just their their sales must have plummeted big time. So now you said something before about the 570. You can run a six cell. Yes. A 22 volt, and you run a higher KV. You're gonna get. Are you gonna get the same head speed as yes. a 12 cell? Yes, because the KV is double basically, so you're 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 basically, you know, dividing the the twelve S pack to a six S pack, but you're doubling the motor KV now, you know, from a six S motor to a twelve S or a twelve S motor to a six S motor, I should say. So I'm guessing the twelve has more torque, because it's got a lower KV then, if you're running yes. the same, the same blades. Yeah, so you get the same head speed, but you get more torque, you get less bogging, and you work your ESC less. Okay. Because of the amperage, because you, you end up drawing less amps, just by a little. I mean, um, I don't know how much. I can't really um, put a physical number to it. I, I don't have a 6S version to, to kind of compare it to. So why would anybody go with 6S? Just is it more like, hey, this thing can do either or, and you could kind of get into it cheaper? It's two things: is the weight of the airframe, the or the flying weight of the heli. Oh right, right, because you're adding an extra pack, which is extra, you know, two hundred grams or whatever the pack weighs, and plus it's the cost of the pack. Yeah, true. So you're doubling up your cost of your pack. The motor and the ESC, they're all priced pretty much the same, whether you go six or twelve S. But the packs cost more because you're doubling that up. That means you also double your, well, not double your charging time, but you have two packs to charge up now, right? Right. So so that could increase your your wait time to fly if you only have one or two packs. So, you know, there's it's they you know, it's debatable which is better. 
I noticed that I definitely get less bog than like say a regular 500 that's running 6s than I do on my 12s, a 570. Oh, for sure. You know, and I like that power. I don't want you know like I I guess it's bad in one way that you don't get to learn. It doesn't force you to learn collective management as much. But then again, it also saves me if I'm, you know, dropping out of sky too quick and I'm like, oh, oh crap. Let me, you know, give, you know, I'm inverted. I got to give that negative to punch out of it so I don't hit the ground. Okay. So let's rein this tangent back in. Yeah. So, so that's a 570. You can run it. And then once you get to the 500, 570 and up size, so the 550 size, I should say, and up, um, then it ranges as far as, um, you can do the 6S, 12S setup. You can do either or. Um, something like the Goblin 630, you kind of, on the most, you know, generically, like everyone will go with 12S. But then when you get to the 700, you can now range from 12S to 14S. So you can run two 7S packs in uh, in series. So then you can even increase your voltage even that much more. And then, you know... And I think 800 size helis is it's automatically you're you're looking at a small penis to... syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're you're looking at a 14s, uh, 12 to 14s setup too, but you know majority you want to go like with the 14s just because you want to have that available voltage of power, and I guess you know carry a big battery pack because you got a small penis. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't oh, even man. know where we left off, dude. What do you mean? Like where we left off on the show notes, like where we left off and where we were at. We're finishing up the cells. Okay. Yes. So now we'll go into C rating. Columbus. I mean, Colum. I mean, yeah. Bloom. You trying to pronounce Bloom? Cool. Yeah. C rating is one of those things where everybody and every manufacturer seems to be a little bit different. Um, it's basically just the constant discharge current multiplier. As okay. everyone uses it, uh, nothing real major there. They lie, though. <laughs> uh, that is very true. It's not always correct. Um, it's really hard to tell if it's they're lying or the equipment they're using to test the batteries is just not up to spec anymore. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I think the reason why so many manufacturers have different C ratings, I think there's no standardization on how they test it. Probably not. Not, not really and the equipment per se, but more like, okay, do they charge it right from the cell or do they charge it from the, you know, once it gets, you know, with the wire and the connector? Because that's going to, you know, affect your rating, right? From having more of that internal resistance of the wiring and the soldering of the connectors and the ends and stuff. So potentially the distance in the wire is usually pretty short, though. Not really going to cause a whole lot. Um, it could also be. Just the batteries are sitting on the shelf too long, or it could be they're just doing the math on what it should get and marking it down. Um, it's oh, really hard to say. Rather than actually testing it. Yeah. I hmm. see. Wow. Okay. So, what's the difference between charge and discharge C rating? The difference in the charge and discharge rating is more to do with the chemical uh, composition of the batteries. It's the, the chemical's natural state is to create energy and force it out. Right. So it's going to be able to produce a lot more faster. That's why you get normally a higher C rating, and they still tell you to charge at like one C, mm-hmm. because basically you're pushing power into it 
forcing it, fighting against the chemical reaction to create power and instead putting power back into the battery. Right. So, like, you kind of have a river that's flowing downstream and you're, like, trying Pushing to it flood backwards. it back up, right, to fill up mm-hmm. a dam or a reservoir, per se. Right. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, because the flow of electricity, you know, that battery, the chemicals, yeah, like you're saying, want to expel that electricity and not take it back in. But, you know, it's a battery. You want to charge it up to use it. So you force that, that voltage back into it. Um, one of the things I also, you know, I think about when, when I look at the difference in discharge and charge C rating is that, you know, these battery packs, like if you have a hard flight, they warm up. And, yeah, you're outside and, you know, if a lipo fire happens, it's not that terrible. But, you know, when you're charging in-house to be safe, insurance reason, air quotes, I don't think manufacturers want you to heat up that pack at all charging. So, like, you know, yeah, maybe you could charge it at 10C and it's a, you know, 30C pack discharge. But, you know, that that battery pack, being that electricity is being forced back in, it's going to create generate a lot of heat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and warm up those cells and then, you know, potentially you can have a, uh, you know, a bigger problem there. Definitely. So how would you calculate amps to charge to? Very simply, just move the decimal places three to the left. And that's when you're talking about when the battery is the milliamp. Yes. The, yes, yes, the milliamp capacity. Yeah, don't um, get confused if you see like some energy brands that say 3.0 amps per hour. Right. Yes. Instead of three thousand milliamps. Per if hour. it's yeah, if it's amps, move it three to the right, and you have your milliamp rating. Um, yeah. Or if it says three amps per hour, so three AH, and not three point oh AH. Like I have a couple of energy packs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically your one C charge rating. Just look at it that way. You don't have to move the decimal point over. It's already done for you. You know, you know that it's three amps. You can charge it for one C. Um, you know, and then if it is say like. 3,000 milliamps with a little mAh, then you know that that's, you know, 3,000, so you move the decimal point three over, and that will give you your amp charge rate for 1C. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the Turnergy batteries that the flight test guys are used to, the blue Turnergy packs, they'll say they're 2,200 ma, and then they say 2.2 you know, in big, bold letters. and Right. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I don't I don't want to get anyone confused because there there is there's not a standardization for the most part of what label how what capacity that pack is. Mm-hmm. And don't try to be a mathematician and do it all in your head either. Like I had three eighteen hundred milliamp hour batteries mm-hmm. downstairs earlier tonight that I was trying to charge at two C a piece. That's eighteen hundred times six. And then move the decimal point three. Like so, you got a calculator on your phone. I got my calculator, and I'm like, all right, eighteen times six and seventy two. Okay. Okay. So yeah, seven point two amps. And you could break it down even. That. You could break it down even more, because you, you're doing it times times six, but you're charging three packs, so that might get confusing. If you add the milliamps together, move the decimal point over, and then times that by two, that'll be a two C charge rating. Right. And I was always doing like with the before I got this whole new setup this week, which was the, you know, the eye charger that I talked about and the 24 volt charging setup. Um, I was always charging. All right. So I had two 2200 milliamp hour batteries. I would charge them at like 
4.8, like if I wanted to do 2C, or, or if I had one 3000, I wasn't able to charge it six amps i'm only able to charge like with my little chargers they were only able to do like maybe five amps so i was right. basically leaving it on like four amps and charging a lot of stuff just at four amps i wasn't even doing the calculation or anything like that and it's okay i mean i don't really think the battery being analog and your charger being sort of analog digital it's gonna matter that if you do you know a 22 amp hour battery or 2200 milliamp hour battery at 4 amps versus 4.4 amps. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. I can I think consider that 2C. Yeah. Either what way. is that like 2.1C? I mean Yeah. Well, 2C on a 2200 would be 4.4. Yeah, and you're doing I know if I'm 4. doing 4.8, right? No, or if I'm doing it at 4. You know, oh, just okay. Yeah, yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're like 1.7, yeah. Either way, I mean, it's not gonna, it's not gonna really screw you up. You don't have to get. I wouldn't think you have to get that exact, because like I said, you can get the number on the battery and the number on the charger exact, and it still might not be 2C exactly. It might be 1.8C or 2.2C. You know, you know, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know, and it could be like my charger where I say charge at 10 amps, and then it goes on to 8.8 anyways. (laughs) Right. So okay, so let's uh so the next question here is what's the difference between a forty five C pack and a sixty five C pack? Um Oh I know. Yes, go for it. Twenty C <laughs> <laughs> Yes, twenty C. Um so I, the, yeah, go I kinda for it. I kinda lumped this with the next one, uh where he's asking for concrete examples of reduction in time with more C. The C rating really doesn't have anything to do with how long the battery is going to last. Mm-hmm. It's just how much power can be pulled continuously. Right. Um, how much it'll handle without uh, burning it out. And that's pretty much what deals with your time. There's almost nothing really different of the battery as it being a battery. Yes. Um the, the makeup internally is a little bit better to allow for more amps to be pushed through. It's, mm-hmm. That's all that's really different between the two. Take care of your batteries and they'll take care of you, right? Yes. Yes. If you abuse them, then they get puffy. You're going yeah. you're gonna, to you're gonna lose them faster. Yeah, they're going to run away. So one of the things I noticed about the different C rating... Um, and I, I mentioned this before. Most C ratings aren't true anyway, so don't don't spend the extra, you know, fifty percent of the cost for like a seventy C pack if you don't really need it. Uh, it depends on your flying style. If you're smooth and you're you don't you know like on a plane or a heli, if you're not like you know constantly going crazy with the collective or your throttle, if you have good throttle management, I don't think the C rating is really that important. I think a twenty thirty C pack will will fly pretty good, um, and most like sport flying and stuff like that. Once you start getting into the very heavy um, power draw from doing a lot of three D stuff, whether it's plane or whether it's heli, um, the higher C is just like a little buffer of safety. That um, you're not going to aggressively pull more um, amps quickly out of the pack than the pack can technically do. Uh, which then, you know, if you pull, if you're pulling a higher C or higher amps out of that pack, you're going to end up puffing the pack a little. 
or you know it's going to heat up it's going to get hot you know so it's always good to also when you when you're done flying feel the pack feel how hot it is if it's burning hot then your your power setup is incorrectly set up because you're either you know drawing too much power for that battery or you know you're too heavy on the sticks i guess so the difference that I noticed too is when you go with higher C rating packs, the packs are actually physically bigger too. I don't know if you guys noticed that. They're usually a little bit. Yeah, like I, I see like the difference between an 1800 6S 45 pulse pack to the 65, it's a little bit bigger, you know. So I don't know if that makes it so that way the, you know, the battery can have that free flow river out to pipe out to to just you know give out that higher burst of electricity or the discharge um, or what. But, you know, I, that's one thing I, I wanted to note. Well, I wanted to say, Steve, what you were just talking about, I have the Sequoia uh, mm-hmm. from Horizon or whoever makes that, Park Zone. Park Zone, yeah. Um, and they recommend using a 2200-25C battery on that. I've been running the 3000-pack on that. It seemed mm-hmm. to balance it out a little more. That thing is only 20C, the 3000-pack. Maybe I can feel a little bit of difference in the last like two minutes, but I think I get six minutes out of a f- out of that pack, yeah. and and I really couldn't tell you. I mean, it does everything I wanted it to do, right? And the pack doesn't come out super hot, right? Like you're not no, not distra- at all over discharging it quick. Yeah, it, it's it really doesn't matter. It's more of your flying style that matters, like how you fly it, how rough you are with the your electrical system that will designate. Hey, you know, I need a higher C pack. I don't buy anything except for I, – I mess around with A-spec batteries, so I can't say I don't ever buy. But all my helicopter batteries, I buy 45C. And I try to – you know, I fly pretty rough. I, I'm pretty heavy on the collective. I'm pretty heavy with my – you know, I, I stick bang, I guess. And, you know, the batteries come out a little bit warm, but no, they're still good. You know, if, if I was someone like Kyle Stacy, where he's just nonstop – banging, you know, just ripping the air to pieces with that heli. Yeah. For someone like him, I'm sure he can puff a 45C pack with no problem. Yeah, and you know, I so mean, he's, he's going to want that. He's also one of the best in the world. Right. So, I mean, if you're going to get interested in, in something like that or need a requirement of that, I don't really think you have any need to go above 45C, 35-45C with your with your flight test planes or anything like that, I wouldn't even go above like twenty twenty five. Yeah, twenty twenty five for most planes would be. I mean, a Vigan is probably one thing I would say. High having higher C rating is nice. Yeah, I don't know what my four four S three thousands are. I think they're thirty C. If they're those same zippy packs I have. Oh, the blue zippies, right? Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. But but who knows what their actual C rating is though? Right, That's and I think we heard from Rich last week, and and we we've heard from num- a numerous people that say. You know, once you get to a certain C rating, it really you're really not getting any more of an advantage buying anything higher. Like, and I think that C rating is like thirty five, forty five. Yeah, I, you know, I hear I hear like mixed stories, and like it's, this is probably really highly debatable. But like, I hear there's no true seventy C pack. Like, yeah. you know, Thunder Power seventy C, like they're not seventy C. Well, I think if any guys are, are are really good authority on it and have, have put batteries to the test are the uh, RCHN guys, and I know they've right. said the same thing. You know, once you get to 35, 45, somewhere around there, you really can't calculate it and and see any advantage to going higher. Right. Yeah, but then, you know, they still buy 70C packs, don't they? <laughs> I don't know. Well, 
Yeah, we'll I have to see did. what these. Uh, we'll have to see what the graphene batteries come up with. Yeah, that's something cool. I want to like get a pack or two to try out. I know yeah. that speaking of RCHN, that those guys, uh, I think it's Nick, has been contacted by a lot of different companies, and he has a whole slew, and he's just going to have an ongoing review of the packs as he goes through them and uses them. Yes, I did recall that's that. Yes. Yeah, it'll be it'll, that'll be interesting to follow because he'll be going through you know how much they deteriorate over time and what holds up the best and he's actually getting some some Hobby King batteries some of those graphene ones. Yeah, I think it was um I mean talking about RCHN guys um I think Justin has either a thread on their forum or maybe in Helifreak um that has like a chart of like people doing C rating tests and posting their results so they have like a whole spreadsheet on it. Um, which, you know, be interesting to see if there's actually any batteries that user tests are doing, you know, not companies, this is independent testing to see what the actual C rating of a battery pack would be. And, you know, what, how, how much it differs from what the manufacturer prints on their packs. Nice. Yeah. If I can find that link, I'll, I'll link it to the, the Facebook and the, uh, flight test forum, uh, once this, uh, podcast gets released. Yeah, I can't wait for more manufacturers to start messing around with the graphenes. Hopefully then we can have a really good competition between the companies and get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we go into power charging, he's it's also asking how to use a charger. So well, in, in that aspect, let's, let's kind of get the next question, which is um, balancing charging. Just for our beginners, I want to make sure people understand balanced charging with LiPo's. Um, so that way there's no confusion with that. And then, and then from there we can turn into power chargers because that's basically power, um, balanced charging on a bigger scale, I guess you could say. Pretty much. So, so balanced charging, right? So you charge a battery, you know, you see these LiPo batteries, they got these two connectors. You got the one main power lead and then you got this small little, I think it's like a JST XH or something like that connector. And, and Thunder Power uses different ones, but I think the JST one is the more common one. And you're like, well, this one has four wires, and this is, you know, four little wires for a three cell, and this one has two big wires for the, the main power. You know, what are these wires? Okay. The main wires, obviously, is your main wires to get that voltage out, to get that charge out. Um, when you're charging, you got to have, when you're balanced charging, you need to have both connected. Okay. And the way most chargers work is they, they shoot out voltage through the main connector while monitoring the, the little wires. And the little wires, to give further explanation, is each cell positive is the little wire, and then there's one negative combined for all. So if you have a three-cell battery pack, you're going to have three power, three positives from each one of those uh, cells. And then not, you have... Not quite. It's, no? No. Because if you had all your negatives connected into one wire, uh, you couldn't do... Uh, though you're full voltage, uh, you can't have parallel and series all in one. It's just tap off from each uh, point in the battery. So uh, in between two connections of a battery, one wire is going to be uh, positive and negative, depending on the battery you're checking. So you're saying it's a series connection? Yes. Okay, now I'm confused. Uh, take uh, black wire. Black wire is always your negative, right? Right. So if you go to the next wire, that's going to be your positive for your first cell. But then negative for the but, second cell. 
but it would be negative for the second cell, and it jumps to the yeah the next wire over, and okay. that's the positive for the next cell, okay. and then again, right, mm-hmm. repeating that. Yep. Okay. So, so basically, Steve, the first cell is three. Mm-hmm. Say it's three point seven. The second one is also three point seven, but the checker is actually doing the difference between the negative and the first positive and the second positive. Like it's it's doing the calculations, probably minusing that first cell when it's displaying all your cells. Yeah, but then if it's doing a calculation or doing any type of division, like how can it tell that the first two cells, which one is 3.7 and which one is 3.8? It doesn't check them at the exact same time. It'll check one, then the other, then the other, then the other. It's really quick. And then don't you have an issue with then, you know, you're getting positive, positive from the two different cells? If it's, no, because I don't know how you're, it's jumping. You're, not, you're not referencing... Um, all of them at once. You're only referencing the two wires you grab at a time. So when it picks uh, three and four, it's only going to see the voltage in between three and four. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, I, I see. Think I'm, I think I'm starting to picture it. Yes. Okay. Okay, but in any case, <laughs> yes. So the wires, I'm wrong about the wires, but the way it balances and charges is the same, right? It, it, it pushes out the main voltage through the main thing, and then it, it quickly monitors those, uh, you know, the individual cells through those wires, through the balancing connector. So that way, once it gets to a certain voltage, it'll stop and then just kind of trickle charge those through that connection, right? If I'm it'll, some of them... From what I've read in charges, they'll charge. Some will discharge through that very slowly. Right. Um, it's more depending on the charger. Yeah. So I think for the most part, they yeah either charge or discharge through those little balancing connectors, which can only handle like one amp or less. So that's why, if you notice when when you're charging a battery, and you know you're charging and you have it on balanced charger, you have it on two C, you're charging, you're you know, and then you're checking the cells on the charger, and they they get to four point two, but it's still charging. You're like, what's going on? It's four point two. It should end now, but at that point, it's balancing everything out, and that because it's only using a very minimal amount of amperage, it takes a little while. It can take a little while, definitely, to uh, get that to equal out. So, so I mean, that's kind of balancing. That's kind of what balanced charging is. You know, very roughly, briefly. Um, yeah, and if you notice at the end of your charge, yeah, is that what you said, Steve? At the end of your charge cycle, or at yeah. the end of you, your charging, it starts to slow down, and you'll actually, if you monitor the actual cells on the charger, you can actually see it. You yep. know, trying to, it, it actually it'll drop down the four point twos, down maybe to four point ten, and then it'll start to bring up the rest of them at the same time, and it'll keep doing that till it till it gets everything balanced. You'll notice that your your amperage that your charger is um, it starts pushing, to go down. It starts to just decline, decline, and you know sometimes I see mine at like 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 amps sitting there, and and that's a trickle charger. That's like okay, this charge this battery needs a little bit more. This needs a little bit less. It needs to balance out. So that's balanced charging. Yes. I have three different settings um, that I saw on this new charger, and it's balanced charging, it's charging, and it's fast charging. Yes. Fast charging completely ignores, uh, e- even if you plug in the balance lead, it completely ignores it. Yes. Okay. Um, charging, I'm not sure if it would ignore the balance lead or not. Um, some do, some don't. And then the balance charge is, is it's going to pay attention more closely to the balance of the cells. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I could read the manual, too. 
but uh, since <laughs> I got it like yesterday. Yeah, um, definitely uh, RTFM. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, I always balance charge. I just feel like I'd rather have the charger charge at, a, at what I think is the safest way of keeping everything balanced, you know, because lipos, they can vary, you know. So, I mean, I don't know, that's just my thing. I know people that want to get that pack charged as quick as possible and they'll fast charge it. I don't know. It's, fast charge seems like it's like back in the nickel metal hydrate days where like, you know, you want, you like, you had like charge and fast charge and fast charge just pushed out more amperage, you know. Yeah. And, like, you you want to talk about something that got hot was that charger I had mm-hmm. for those things back in the day, man. Yeah. Had and, the and then heat sink on it like a freaking can. Like a twelve ounce <laughs> yeah. can. Right. And and then one thing is that like, you know, when you charge these batteries quick like that, I mean especially when you're not balanced charging, like I don't know. I feel like you're you can potentially do damage to the cells. And packs are expensive, so I don't want to damage these cells. Oh, for sure. Pack. Yeah. So let's move to parallel charging then. So what is parallel charging? Parallel charging is charging two or more batteries in parallel uh, with the balance plugs also in parallel with each other. Yes. Um, it's m- mainly your the thing you want to worry about is the cell voltage. Um, yes. And it doesn't go like pack cell to pack cell or uh, full pack to full pack. It's, you know, your cell one on pack one, you want to match it with cell one on pack two and cell one on pack three, and you want to go through the list, and however many cells, mm-hmm. that's how you want to watch them. Um, try to keep them under 0.2 volts difference. Um, charge. Or, okay. Uh, I've seen people who've done it a little differently. I've seen people who say a lot less than that. Mm-hmm. I would say a 0.2 volt difference is probably good enough. Um, you're going to want to plug your batteries in first, uh, making sure same cell count, mm-hmm. uh, plugging in your balance leads, leaving them sit for a little bit because they're going to, uh, whichever one is a little bit higher is going to char- charge the one that's a little lower. Yes. And they'll find their own balance. Yes. Oops. Yeah, I was going to say that. Um, yeah, I know you said 0. 0.2 difference, but if there were like, say, 0. 0.4 difference, I wouldn't go above anything point, um, than half a volt. But if it was 0. 0.4 difference, I kind of plug it in and leave it for five, 10 minutes and let it kind of. Yeah. Mm, you know, just can, get that level yeah, out. You you can get away with it, um, but definitely let them equalize themselves out a little bit. Yes. Um, your milliamps mean nothing. Yes. It, it's all about voltage. Uh, an empty battery and a full battery still run the same voltages no matter what milliamps you're running. Yes. So it, it's all cell count and voltages. And, of course, you can... You have multiple batteries. One C for two batteries is actually two C for a single battery, so you can multiply yourself up. Right. So, I mean, I I just want to clarify that milliamps mean nothing. They mean nothing as far as power charging, as far as plugging it in. You know, you, the voltage mm-hmm. has to be the the focal point, right? You have to worry yes. about the focus on the, the voltage. The milliamps, like I charge... Three cells where it'd be 22, 1,000, 1,300 packs for my Oxy. Like, I just, all slew of those milliamp packs, the size of the pack doesn't matter as long as all the voltage is the same. 
Yep. If your voltages match and your cell count matches, you're good to go. So someone might have a question of, well, how does the charger know that, you know, I'm going to put in, like, this is a 2200 pack on this one and this is a 1000 pack. How does it know not to keep on charging a 1000 pass to try to charge a 22? It's it doesn't so it's it it doesn't and it doesn't matter it doesn't because matter. Yes. A, 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 a three cell is not going to go over the you know whatever twelve volts that's a full charge yeah so when it's full it's full yes yeah. when it's full it's full when when it's charging the one thousand and the twenty two together it's basically it's the voltage it's charging you see that voltage number increasing on both batteries at the same time in parallel. So, like, you can kind of think of two gas tanks going up at the same time. And it doesn't matter that one is bigger than the other because the voltage is what matters. So mm-hmm. That's something I never do when you guys talk about plugging two batteries in and letting them equalize. I usually get around the same voltage. Mm-hmm. But, man, I never let them sit. If I plug oh, them I, in, I start charging. Like, I immediately. They don't sit oh. for 30 seconds, dude. I just yeah, I would go. give them... Let it give them a minute to breathe. Those man. poor on. batteries. Yeah, and it's not supposedly it's not that long. Like point, like half a volt difference. You leave it for a, like a minute, two minutes, or something like that. It, they'll oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. wait that long. And now, like for me, I sometimes leave it longer just because I'll plug it in and kind of go do something, come back five minutes later, and then start to charge. Because and I do it with just a balance port connected. I don't do it with the main um, line. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Nick? Um, I would say it's probably better to equalize your cells out because equalizing your cells out versus each other is probably going to be a little slower. It's lower voltage. It's not really going to cause too much of a problem. If there is a problem, you'll notice it. Um, no, but, but I'm dealing- saying like when I when I plug in the batteries to let them kind of equal out, I just pal- I just plug in the balance port and leave it for five minutes. Should I be plugging the main uh, connector too? Uh, probably not, because there still could be a potential difference to have uh, different voltages uh, or higher voltages across your Combined. main lines. Combined yes. on that main rail, yeah. Instead of dealing with just the individual uh, right. cell pack. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the way I do it, and I feel like, you know, it's probably unnecessary. I mean, someone can argue the fact that it's probably unnecessary but to me i think it makes logical sense that those balance connectors are looking at individual cells you match those up with another 3s pack and those individual cells will match up and then you put your power your main line in and then you hit your charge mm-hmm. and i feel like that's the safest way to when you power charge to make sure that you're at the same um voltage within all the cell count well if somebody wants to argue with me they can I've been doing it for three years, and I haven't had any problems yet. I've just thrown dude. them together, dude. And I don't. I never. I have never done like a thousand with a twenty-two hundred, though. I'm always doing like the same, like two twenty-two hundreds, and and they're usually relatively close. Like they're yeah. usually point two or point point three. They're probably never more than than half a volt. Yeah. Now, um, one thing you can do is like, you know, sometimes I find that my as my battery packs get a little bit older and, you know, I, I start introducing new packs to the, you know, to the collection, uh, to the family. What I end up doing is um, <laughs> I take 
if if one like was like I'll fly the twenty two hundred out of a, on a plane and then I'll fly a newer twenty two hundred and when I come down that newer twenty two hundred didn't discharge as much as the old one because there's less cell degradation on it so I find that the um you know like I'll have more reserve on that pack like I have some old zippy packs twenty twos mm-hmm. that I use and you know I'll fly and I come back and it's at thirteen percent I'll take a pulse twenty two I'll fly same time on my timer same type of flight. And then I come back and it's 30%. So a lot of times, especially at home, I most chargers have a storage charge feature. And I usually, if I want to, like, what I do is I storage charge all my battery packs after my flight or after the weekend. Um, and then they'll sit there for a couple of days. And then, like, come Thursday and I know I'm going to fly Saturday or come Friday, you know. Then now I know all those cells are at 3.85. I double right. check them, make sure they're good. And then I just go to town on the power charging yeah that's that's definitely a good habit to always have them in storage charge so you know they're all equal to each other or relatively equal mm-hmm. that's a great thing to do but i don't do that of I course don't. not kevin <laughs> no of course I, not. I either have them fully charged or full or you know down to like 33 percent or 30 percent and i think it's because we go every week you know, we're yeah. out there every week. If we were, if I was, you know, I, I have done storage charge and I put them in the freezer like for, you know, a couple months during the winter or if I go away or something like that. Yeah. But uh, for like summertime, man, I don't, I think you can, like I just charged up all my Goblin batteries tonight. We're not going to go f- flying for like, f- what, three more days? And so I don't think it's going to matter really that Say much. bye-bye to your packs. Nah. Yeah. No, I, now truthfully, because you're still, you know, you're still relatively new at flying helis, like, and so am I. I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm, I'm professional in any way, but I, I, I'm really starting to care about my packs more and more now. So, one thing you probably haven't noticed, or you probably won't notice until you kind of start smacking, doing more collective moves, and like, you know, which you, you're starting to, you're doing through flips, and you're all, when you start TikToking and doing hurricanes and stuff like that, where you're heavy on the collective, just constantly asking for that battery to supply more power, consistently, and as you get more flights in with the Goblin, because, you know, I mean, you, you probably have, what, like, 20, 30 flights in that heli now? Yeah, probably. Probably you more know? like 30, yeah. Yeah, so it's like 30 flights within, what, three packs that you have? So yeah. Ten, ten cycles per pack. You're probably not noticing the sag yet. And yeah. leaving a battery fully charged or fully dis- or close to fully discharged, let's say like 3.65, you know, 3.7, um, you'll notice that you're, you're going to put less milliamps back in and that as you fly that pack more and more, you're drawing that pack lower percentage, lower voltage, lower voltage every time. And that's because of battery maintenance, I think. You know, in my opinion, I think that's battery maintenance. Well, that. I've seen that on the 2200s, a few 2200s that I have that are at least, I don't know, four or five years old now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still use them. But, yeah, when I go to charge them all the way up, they don't charge. They don't completely charge up to, you know, uh, 99% or anything. They, they get up to like 90, 91. And that's, that's about weird. it. I would think they would still charge, but they just would. Like have too much internal resistance and and not give you the milliamps back into your power system and just generate heat. I don't know. At that point, I'm looking like, you know what? I'm probably going to wind up buying new batteries anyways. Like, I flew the crap out of that Beaver. I can tell you that I found at least one battery 
that uh that I'm probably going to get rid of. And it just well, seems like it's that point in time where I have a bunch that I bought together. So mm-hmm. they I probably don't notice that ones or all of them are starting to get like lower and lower. But now I definitely right. saw one for sure that that didn't seem to hold up to the rest of them. Well, I can't remember exactly where I read it, but I think someone did a study and it's like half a milliamp to uh, one milliamp or something a day from a, a full char- charged battery that uh, gets eaten up by just sitting. Yeah, that you can't get back. You can't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't get it back. It it literally kills off like a milliamp a day. Hmm. Yeah. That could be. So, I mean, I think also you're a special case, Kevin. I'm, I'm special? <laughs> you're very special. You you're, you're my... like me on the freeway. Go back to <laughs> cop doing 80 and they don't pull out. <laughs> I did take the little bus to school. I don't know if that's what you mean by special. Uh, let's not get into that now. <laughs> but, um, no, I think the packs that you bought, at the time you bought them, the quality control was better or the battery packs were better. Because I have, like, the same Turnergy or the Zippy yellow packs. or I have the Gen Zase, uh, too, those 2200s. I had Gen Aces. And I think during that year or so when Gen Ace was, that was the brand to get. Like, that was the pack to get. Like, even, you know, you've heard it when you first listened to RCHN in the beginning years. Right. 2.0, when they first, when Dan started it back up. You hear them, they're like, Gen Ace all the way, Gen Ace all the way. And now it's like, no one does Gen Ace. Like, Gen Ace is crap. Like, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I feel like, I think maybe when you bought these whole slew of packs over the, like, year or so, when you got deep into the hobby and you were needing all these packs, that the, the, the packs were well built. Well, that would explain the 2200s, but then I have those 800s I use in the Beaver. And, I mean, geez, I've flown the crap out of that thing. Yeah, but a Beaver doesn't – that that thing's so light, it's not drawing crap. I mean, you're using a 12-amp ESC on it. It's not really drawing that much electricity, like, you know, that much C rating and stuff like that for you to really notice. But I noticed it in the helis. Like, I had these 3S packs, and I had so many of them, and they were – they were great, and then they just like now I can't like back when I had the Blade 360, I cannot fly those packs. Like they were terrible. I killed so many packs. Like I have packs that I've probably have about 15 cycles in, and they they're garbage now. And I th- I think it's from the heavy draw, from you know maybe hitting low voltage, but um you know bad pack maintenance. But like they just don't work too well. And I know you brought down packs where you're like. Oh crap! Three point five, or you know, like three six, like, and like I've done the same thing, but these packs they don't bounce back. They don't work well, and like I have a whole, you know, thirty cal ammo box full of packs that I'm gonna have to throw away, you know, in the near future because I don't have an application for it, and they just they're not powerful enough for the the things that I do need those type of batteries for, you know, the size battery. Yeah, that. It depends on their distributor, whoever they're buying the mm-hmm. lithium and whatnot from. Yeah. Uh, if they're not given a really good quality or if it's got a lot of um, recycled material within it. Sure. Uh, yeah, I can see they, that. They don't bounce back. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, like probably in the last, I don't know, five years maybe or a little bit longer, like lipos are like – the cursed thing like oh you know like and now it's like everything is lipo like every 
plane every you know how we like there's light bulbs are used like crazy so the, the, the demand for it back then they were probably able to use the higher quality material to make these packs but then as the demand got more and more and then the overhead gets higher and they want to keep the packs cheaper because of competition from another brand mm-hmm. you know i think that qc and the quality of materials start to go down and they're just not as good as they used to be basically i like them old times well and how much of this of the the terror that was struck in society from light bulb fires was from some knucklehead charging it on the wrong setting you know because yeah. he was so used to nickel metal hydride and charging it on that setting you never mm-hmm. know i mean yeah I'm I'm sure a ton of it was, especially the units that literally all you did was plug them into the wall and plug the battery in. Yeah, the trigger was, chargers and stuff. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I'm sure a bunch of people tried to connect lipos up in the early days and just or, plugged them in and let them go. Yeah, or yeah. they they drained them to down down too much or had them too high yeah. or who knows. Or take off in a middle stick and then and have a abrupt landing. Have a screw <laughs> poke through it. <laughs> start a fire that's yeah. funny because i i uh the ft community cast just did uh their google thing the google like hangout type oh cast how was for, that i didn't get a chance to it check wasn't bad out. you know who was on it was um was uh dan Sponholtz and his son keegan oh so nice those guys were running around like crazy during flight fest 15 and mm-hmm. keegan was the kid that i met 14 who had that big middle stick it's like an ugly stick but it's all made out of dollar tree foam and he's the guy who I, that's when I first saw that. I was like, I got to build that. So I built that, um, the middle stick version based on that. And I had it last year and I kind of had some issues with it, with the, with the heat and stuff. And Steve was pointing it out and, and I have to, I have to apologize cause I was getting mad at him cause he was just, he's like, yeah, your wings are folding together. And I was like, what? <laughs> but anyway, <Yeah. laughs> Dan was like, Dan was like, yeah, we got to fly him again this year, you know, but he was on there and uh, it was pretty cool. So, I, yeah, I was going back and forth with Dan a little bit about flying those uh, things. So I got to build another one. Got to build another one of those, too, which I'm kind of halfway through. Oh, nice. I need to build one of those, too. Yeah. So much to build, so little time. I know. I know. Sure, Tell me man. about it. Um, all right. So let's go back into, let's see, what else we got here? Um, we went over we got 113 days from 113 recording. days. Really? Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah. Yeesh. Yeah. yeah. 100, 113 days left, man. Flight Fest is going to be here before we know it. Yeah. All right. It's crunch time. Um, so batteries, electricity, safety, and handling. You know, what's, I guess, the the best method to, you know, transport batteries safely, um, store batteries safely, and dispose of them? Don't do anything I've done. Don't what transport do them on your passenger side seat with the window down. Just in case they burst into flames, so you can throw them out the window. Hey, if, if they're gonna burst, I'd rather have them in that seat next to me, in an arm's way of throwing them out the window, than having them in my trunk and have my car go on fire. Just saying. Come on, man. You you drive a jeep. Just take the door off. Yeah, exactly. That, that way you don't have to worry about it bouncing back in. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> lipo bags. Uh, I don't. I don't trust them. I don't have any. Yeah. Really? I do I, not I, trust them. I keep all my batteries in an ammo box, metal. Yes. I take the uh, the rubber seals out of them so that if they do pop, they don't become a bomb. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just keep them all in a metal can. Yes. Now, see, I have like six, seven LiPo bags. I keep them all 
I know. And you recently did nicely that. Nicely organized. Yeah. I mean, they're good for, I think, transporting. Like, you know, like you're going from your house to the field. It's an hour drive. That's that's fine, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't actually charge in them, nor do – which, you know, I know folks recommend that because at least it contains the fire a little bit where to go. I just like to be able to see the battery if I'm kind of like, you know, monitoring a battery and a yeah, charger. You'll, you'll notice it start to puff. I want to see the puff. Stop it. Right, before it actually goes up in fire because, you know, why wait till after and prevent – you know, try to minimally prevent damage than preventing the, the situation in the first place. Yes, mm-hmm. and I never charge. Very rarely do I any ever charge any batteries where I'm not right there working on something. Yeah. Like in the garage or close to mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So lipo bags, they're, I think they're good for a short transportation. I don't feel that they're very good for, and, and just for our listeners, this is totally my opinion. You could say you're stupid, Steve. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. And you're stupid, perfectly... Steve. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> and I'm perfectly okay with it. You know, in my limited career of being in this hobby, I find that lipo bags aren't. I have one. I don't. I bought one because when I first started, they're like, you have to charge in a lipo bag. You have to transport a lipo bag. You have to store it in a lipo bag. And then I'm like, okay, that's cool, but. You know, putting some thought into it, I want to see the battery if it's going to puff and blow up. I want to see it. I don't want yep. it in a bag where I can't see it. And next thing you know, you have smoke and flames coming out of the holes because it's not sealed. No. You know, the flap will cover, go back onto the Velcro and there's two big gaps on each side. So then you have basically a flamethrower shooting flames and smoke out of both corners of the, the top of the bag. So, yeah, but you wouldn't want it to completely seal because then it's going to build with pressure. Well, and yeah, pop. yeah, you don't want to completely seal it either. So really, there's no, you know, there's no like, I guess, uh, how would I? How, well, how the Velcro would, I, would take care of that. The Velcro would be your like breaking point. It's not completely sealed. Would it would pop the bag? Yeah, well, it'll vent. And then, you know, if, if it gets hot, it'll enough, vent, it'll melt the Velcro and probably. Yeah. It'll uh, vent, but it won't necessarily stop the fire. While right. you can modify a metal can to have a spark arrest to stop flames from shooting through while still venting properly. Sure. I'd like to know how to do that, but yeah, sure. <laughs> right. I could I could picture something kind of like a vent, but it has like a little drop-down ceiling, like a hole with a drop-down ceiling so that the smoke can come out, but none of the fire can come out. I don't I, I've seen I, I've seen a few people do things. Um, some are using like a metal mesh with really small holes uh, to do things. Others have like uh, a modified like dirt bike exhaust end, just like the tip that stops it from sparking out. And okay, I've I've seen a few different things, but yeah, the technology's out there. It's uh, an older technology, so people can research it and find what fits best for them if they want to go for a metal can route. Mm-hmm. And and you know the the hobby world is gonna say use a lipo bag. Of course. Know? Um, that's I guess that's kind of what you know. But the do it yourselfer, kind of you know DIY person. I mean I don't think you can go any better than a, in an army uh, an ammo steel box. You know obviously either punching holes in it or ruining the rubber seal so it doesn't become a shrapnel bomb doesn't become a, gr- a grenade. But, um, yeah, so that way, 
if it goes up, yeah, it might smoke up. It might spark out of the corners or, you know, have fire coming out of corners. But that box will just – it'll take the heat. It's not going to melt and just kind of let the fire go rampant, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so. if that's something you're super worried about is storage and fire and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you have the space – I know, Steve, you live in an apartment, so this would be tough for you – is you could go to Home Depot and get some of that – cement backer board that they used for tile and the showers and stuff like that you could build something real easy to store you know a little a-frame or whatever little box yeah yeah if you have a if you have the room um or a garage i mean flight test i think has a video on that right i think they had the they had the cinder block the cinder blocks and then they put the the sand in there or whatever like put the sand over the top in case it melted it would yeah it would it would burst the bag and the sand would come down Right. Like something like that would be great if, you know, obviously, like you said, I live in an apartment building. I don't really have that option. That's why I have to monitor batteries when I charge because I have to be safe about it. Um, so lipo bags, cool. If you want to go that route, go for it. Ammo case, I bought two 30 cal. No, sorry, three. No, no. I bought four. I bought four 30 cal ammo boxes for Make up my mind. No, so it's for eighty bucks. The only reason is because I bought it so long ago, and I've already I, I gave one to Anthony already, and then I think I only have three left. So I thought I originally bought three, but I forgot I gave that one to Anthony. So, um, you know, and yeah, they're not they're not the biggest thing. Like I can't put a twelve S pack in there, you know, a twelve S uh, five thousand milliamp stick pack. No, I can't. I can't. Oh, really? In there. No, it's the, the stick pack's like eighteen inches long or almost twenty inches long. Um, nice. You know, and it's like I think. The thickness probably be like each side of it is probably like three inches or so. It's a big pack. I'll show you when we have Fly Fest. You're going to be like, holy. Well, you have 6S5000 packs, right? I have 6S5000s, yeah, but my box has got uh, 11 inches front to back. No, but think about taking two of them and lining them up and then like, mm-hmm. and then shrink wrapping those two as one pack. Mm, yeah, I don't so, think that would fit. Yeah, so that now you get an idea of what I'm talking about, the size of the battery. It's It becomes pretty big. Um so those I kind of just put in my charging case, and it's probably not the best thing. I also leave batteries in my helis. Um, I don't recommend that, but I find that like it's easier for me to like transport the heli. And I've done it before where I went to the field and I forgot my battery ammo case, and done that. I was so happy that I had a battery in each helicopter and each plane. So right. I was able to charge it up and fly, even though you know you only had to could only fly one flight at a time per thing. But well, for the helis, for sure, you want to keep a battery. I would keep battery in there because, like you said, for storage, the CG is correct. It's going to stand on the skids the right way. True, it adds extra weight right to the skids. Yeah, you know, it'll stand up better when you're transporting and stuff. Um, so so weigh them down, you know, or like strap them down if you can. Um. So battery storage, uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing as with the charging. You know, if you use lipo bags and you feel safe with it, put them to storage charge, put them in a lipo bag. Um, one of the things I've always wondered is, you know, ammo cans, lipo bags, doesn't matter. Do you store all your batteries together? Because if one were bad and one were to go, would it light all of them up? Unfortunately, I do store all of mine together, but I will be picking up another ammo can shortly. Okay. So do you think there's potential danger when you store them all together, especially if you have one that was like, oh, it's a little bit puffy, it's a little bit questionable, but... Yeah. Um, I've had uh, or 
yeah, I've had one that kind of puffed up, and I ended up cutting uh, one cell out of a three pack because it puffed up. Um, mm-hmm. And it, uh, I taped up the other two cells, and they're just sitting on a storage charge in the box with all my other batteries, uh, including okay. my two success packs and my like ten uh, three cell packs. They're just all sitting in one box. Yeah. Yeah, do not put a pin in it and think you're going to pop or relieve the pressure. Oh, yeah, that won't work. Pack, no. <laughs> that will be instant fire. No, uh, yeah, I tossed that that single cell that was damaged. I tossed that out. Okay, so so battery storage, storage charge, use them. I you know, I mean, if you have unlimited space and you can keep those batteries separated, go for it, but I mean, come on, let's be realistic. Our batteries all mm-hmm. live together in a, in a nice cozy little family home. You know, a little bag or a little box, depending on how wealthy your light bulbs are. Or how good of an imagination you have, Steve. There you go. <laughs> um, okay, so next thing about light well, bulbs. I, ha- I have one thing to add for sure. uh, transportation. Yes. If I'm going to the park or whatever, I'm going to fly, uh, I, I just take them in the can. Um, if I'm, say, traveling to Flight Fest, uh, about three hours away, mm-hmm. um I know they're going to be bouncing around. I will tape the ends over, uh, both the main power plug and the balance lead, just to make sure that nothing bounces up and in and shorts them out or anything happens. Okay. That's a good tip. That's a good idea. How mm-hmm. about using, like, Velcro straps to, like, just Velcro to the battery so that it keeps it as, like, one piece? Or do you want to, like, actually, like, cover up the ends? I cover up the ends completely. Okay. So that, yeah, you can't get into them or nothing nothing to the the metal where you can short them out cool okay that's a nice tip um i don't do any of that i just leave the batteries in a can or (laughs) heli or in a charging case or and you know i don't do that Mm -hmm. yeah of course yeah of course (laughs) of course (laughs) so uh how do we dispose of batteries Hmm, that's like a really good question because I don't even know how I'm, I, I mean, I know how I dispose batteries. It's not the right way and I don't really want to say how I do it, but I don't know. Nick, how do you dispose of your batteries? Um, I start my bonfires with some of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, where you can start bonfires. They're great fire starters. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'll charge them up a little bit knowing that they're going bad and pop them try to get them to flame up sometimes they don't um if they don't throw them in salt water let them dissipate and either send them off for recycling if uh i can get out to a place that accepts them or Mm -hmm. i'll hold on to them till i can get to somewhere that can yes don't just throw them in the garbage kids no those chemicals are not good yeah they're first of all they're very toxic for the environment so if if that those chemicals kind of leak on the soil i'm sure that's EPA's, you know, worst nightmare. Um, you didn't ask me how I get rid of my batteries. I'm, I'm building up to a sh- Okay. Relax. <laughs> no, so Kevin, how do you dispose of your batteries? I recycle them too. I leave them in that bucket that's over by my neighbor's house until it buries itself into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's my research. No, they're actually still in that bucket. <laughs> You saw that bucket when you came out to pick me up, and you were like, "Is that the bucket?" Yes, that's it. Right, right under I, pine trees. <laughs> right under the dry pine trees. 
Yes. Um, I, I'm waiting for the day. I, I would love to see Kevin's face if his neighbor's house ever goes up in flames and he's like rushing home to find out if it was the batteries that started it or not. Uh, well, I, I have two cameras on my house, so I'll be able to like check it out and play it back and post the video <laughs> if it actually does burst into flames. Yeah, and then the cops are knocking on your door. Yeah. Cops insurance company, you know. Um, right. But no, I haven't. I actually haven't gotten rid of any yet. I I I should just, you know, our work has a has a thing you can take recycled batteries. I don't even know if I want to do that. I have no idea. If you if you cut the leads off and put them in salt water or whatever, uh, you can throw them out then or no. Yes. Once they're fully fully discharged and they're inert. Okay. I still don't like throwing them in the trash, but yeah. I mean, I do go to. You know what I should do? This just dawned on me. Because of the the work that I'm in involved with, I get scrap wire every now and then, and sometimes I get scrap batteries that are heavy duty batteries, like almost the size of car batteries, like lead acid batteries and stuff. Yeah, and I bring them to recycle, and and uh, I can actually get a couple bucks for them. So maybe next time I go over with the wire, I'll take them over and just see if they'll recycle. I mean, I'm not going to get anything for them, but no, but they could properly get rid of them. Yeah, most of them. Yeah. Good old lead acids. <laughs> oh, but no, that's that's a battery I know a lot more about over lipos. All right. All I know is they were four bucks a pound, I think, or something. They were given for me. <laughs> Probably uh, just for the lead content. The lead, yeah. The lead has weight to it. You know, or was it 25 cents a pound? It was either way. <laughs> either way. I think it was probably 25 was probably cents a pound. Probably 25 cents a pound, yeah. I've done yeah. steel recycling, and it was like Dirt 20 cheap. cents a pound or something, yeah. It adds um, up, though. Mm-hmm. It does. Copper. Now that that adds up a lot. Like yeah. when, when buildings, you know, they you know they're they're stripping out a building and you get all that Cat Five copper. Dude, yeah. I'm I'm working in public services switch house. You yeah. got to see the copper that goes out of there. Copper the size mm-hmm. of your arm. Oh, really? Like the, the really high voltage stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it's huge, and I get none of it. <laughs> oh no. No. You're not cool I, enough. No, I don't. I don't work for the. The public service, so. Oh right, right. You're just a con- a vendor for them. Just, yeah, but I, I get some cat five from now, you know, now and then. Ah, so you guys want to know how I dispose of my batteries? How do you dispose of your batteries? I bring them to Home Depot. I cut the leads off and say, "This is from my power drill. Can you take care of this?" And I take it. Oh yeah, they do have the power drill recycling. Yes, and those batteries you see are are lipos or lithium or lithium ion. ion. Yep. Yeah, I was yep. gonna say they're they're lipos in the power drills now. Yeah. 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 So you're not lying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they kind they of look funny <laughs> because you have two main leads and they're all chopped up unevenly so that they don't short. And I, I electric tape them up together, you know, like not together, but, you know, away so they don't, they can't make the contact. And, and I do have the balancing connectors too. I keep my balance connectors. I recycle those sometimes when you're flying a plane or a quad and after crash, you know, you might get a, a rip in it or. It might mm-hmm. get cut off, then I, I solder them back on and use them. And it doesn't say, like, DeWalt. It says Zippy on it. No, I take the plastic uh, wrap okay. off. It's just a white, you know, foam thingy, like, padding. Yeah, if yeah. they ever ask, it's just like a worker dropped a battery or threw it across the room and got mad. Yeah. Freaking and, idiot. You know, I I, I, I kind of worry because some of the packs are questionable that I break them, and I'm like, I hope they recycle them often, and it's not sitting at the the store for like a month and a half, and you know, something goes up. No, it, it should be fine. I'm pretty sure they have a container that they put them into that's proper. 
Dude, at that point, they will never know what battery started it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's why, hence, I was like, I don't really know if I want to say this, but okay, whatever. Um, I I don't think they would uh, really say anything if they knew it was a hobby battery or not, because it's just battery uh, recycling at that point. Yeah. That would be the Paramus Home Depot off Route 4. Oh, boy. Yep, you heard it here. Steve. <laughs> Stay out of that one. Route 4 in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> yes. Okay, so uh, let's see here. How much energy is encased in a thin layer of protective coating? I don't I don't think I can answer this question at all. I think that was tied into your lipo bags, right? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not Looks sure. I don't know if it's the lipo bags or if it's the individual cells of a lipo and how... You know, they're basically the cells well, are like... If it's the individual cell protective coating, I can answer that. Almost zero. Yes. You're gonna if you poke through it with anything metal, you're gonna you're gonna cause a fire. Yes. And once that's started, the protective coating isn't doing anything to stop it. Exactly. Yes. So I I really thought that was part of the lipo bag. And even then the lipo bags I don't think they do anything but uh storage charge at 100 percent charge capacity will be reduced significantly over a period of time as storage charge this natural degradation is reduced by half i think that goes back to when we were talking like the the one milliamp a day or something like that i can't remember exactly yes there's there's like a milliamp I, i don't think it's per day i think it's a little bit longer i think it's like per month but um yeah it might be it's been a while since i read that article and and I'm and you know I mean I'm really kind of reading uh, going over my memory of this from uh, from when RCHN was they they kind of extensively went over some of this battery stuff and and mainly I think uh, it was Justin and Nick talking about well Nick talking about the V control how you can set your degradation rate on your V control radio so that way it automatically compensates for that yeah that's crazy. So they were saying that, like, yeah, you know, at storage charge, it's, like, it's minimal. It's, like, you know, whatever, 3 milliamps per, like, six months or two year compared to, like, you know, when it's fully charged, it's, like, per month. And same thing if it's fully discharged. Yeah. So, yes, uh, storage charge is important. You know, like Nick was saying earlier, that that's where the battery kind of wants to be at. Like, that's kind of its happy place where the chemicals inside there aren't, like, bouncing off the walls with each other. Kind of like, you know, come on, guys, let's go do something. You know, like that kind of craziness inside the battery pack. So, um, you know, at any time, I mean, it's not too hard to discharge a battery these days with your charger or... If your charger doesn't have that feature, maybe, you know, you run up a plain motor for a little bit or something. You know, there's ways. you got to be able to discharge a battery. Now, what would that equal? Uh, 3.7 per cell? Uh, 3.8. 3.8? Yes. Okay. 3.8 to 3.85, I believe. Is that correct, Nick? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Now, 3.7 is actually your low end. Like, that's... That's, that's basically when you want to land. Yeah, that's basically where you want to be. That's 20% of the pack left. 3.6 is when the pack is fully empty. Okay. So you want to be at that 3.7 is your 20%. That's usually not good for a storage charge. 3.85, is, it's weird how the, the percentage works. You, you say 3.7, and that's like 20% of the battery pack remaining. 
of the full battery capacity. But then when you go to 3.85, which is only, you know, 1.5 volts, it ends up being closer to 40 to 50% of the battery charge. Right, and then fully charged is like 4.2, yeah. Right, which is a lot. It's kind of a a curve. Yeah, it's definitely got to be definitely a curve if you actually were to map out the the percentage with the voltage. Um, So storage charge, I mean, just just do it. I mean, try, you know, I mean, if it's, you're not going to, if you're flying next week, fine. It's not super important. But if you're not flying for a couple of months, storage charge that thing. Yeah, for sure. All right, so lipo fires and explosions. I mean, lipo fires happen because I think of two main reasons. A punctured cell or damage to the cell by a crash. Pancaking is, you know, a battery pack, as people might say it, or, you know, running a battery pack into a, a wood screw. <laughs> and, you know. All right. That would do it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I did you know, that. Yes. <laughs> and then the other method would be improper chemistry charging, right? So you set your charger to a nickel metal hydride and you charge a lipo battery. That's not going to know the balance. It. It's just going to keep on pumping, you know, voltage until it blows up. And I'll tell you, dude, when we ran out to the field, when I did puncture that, though, in all seriousness, that freaking battery was red hot. Like, you're not, you're not yeah. touching that battery. Like, yeah. it was seriously hot yes i don't think you're putting it out with anything uh, other than like a fire extinguisher or something i mean or sand or sand yeah what i i started to dig a hole to just to put it in so it wouldn't light up the rest of the field or anything and i was standing there what's the fire extinguisher should i go should i go you're like no no, no. Nah. Like, try to wiggle the battery out <laughs> i was like Dang. yeah i was like nah don't waste it we'll just let yeah. it go um, yeah, and for the people out there, if you have a fire extinguisher and you're going to use it, make sure it's rated for chemical fires. Yes. Yeah, ABC it should be. Be right, ABC, right? Not yeah. CO2, not water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's got a pump on the top, like a, like a lawn fertilizer or something like that, get rid of it. Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's way too old. Yeah, you want that dry chem. You want that white powder to, yeah. to suffocate the fire. I think basically most of them are ABC nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it sucks because like you're not recovering anything from that plane if if you're or helicopter if you spray it down like that, uh, you know, like that chemical stuff. I know we used to, uh, you know, back in my uh, younger days when we used to street race a lot, and you know, a lot of us had fire extinguishers for, for you know, um, the look of it on your roll cage or your roll bar. But um, you know, when it came down to it, and you sprayed your engine compartment with it, that like that shit was done. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to clean up that stuff, and you know, but um, but yeah, you know, it'll save the rest of the car, or save, you know, your field from lighting up, or you know, some people fly at, you know, national state park kind of reserves places. You don't want that place to go up because of this, you know. So, you know, do what you can. You don't want your local, you know, park to get torched, and you know, you make the the five o'clock news. Yeah, it's so. something to think about getting a fire extinguisher if your club doesn't have any. Our club had one or two prior to me crashing, and now we have about four. <laughs> it used to be on those pit stands or whatever, and it was like one. I saw one, and then after that, I think I saw three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, lipos don't really explode, at least none that I've ever seen or experienced or heard about. Yeah, I've never seen one explode. I've hey. definitely seen them shoot flames a yes. couple feet away but yes. never explode 
Yeah. If they get punctured in a certain spot, it'll all the gases, all the chemicals will come out, and it'll basically be like a, a blowtorch. And you'll see gas come out first with heat and smoke, and then it'll ignite, and that's when you have that fire. But um, yeah, I've never seen them explode, explode. Um, I guess what Nick was saying, you know, if you don't take the rubber seal off the ammo cans, then all the pressure can build up in that can. Yeah, it's more of it building in the can, not right. it building for the battery itself. Right. It doesn't build in the battery and then explode. It just it punctures, it gets smushed, it gets pancaked, the cells get exposed, the chemicals leak out. That's when it starts to generate the, you know, the chemical reaction and the heat and then the ignition of the fire. So so you don't really have to worry about explosions. Just mm-hmm. uncontrollable fire. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Just the flame, flames of hell, and and you know, smoke and brimstone. Yeah, smoke and brimstone, and 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 I do want to warn people: like, if a battery gets punctured, it's depending on how big. Obviously, smaller batteries will kind of have less inherent, you know, force in them. But like, you know, you you puncture a six S five thousand pack, expect huge flames to come out of. It. Depending on how deep that puncture goes right if it only punctures one cell it might not be as bad but if it punctures two or three cells in the same spot like a nail going through it you're gonna have some four or five foot or a wood screw or wood screw yeah you know Uh hope you're not busy for the next couple hours yeah you'll be fighting the fire so it's gonna shoot out several feet out of that battery pack um, and you know, obviously it's super hot and you don't want to get near it or touch it. And, and it smells nasty. Yeah. Like, that chemical smell, like it's gotta be. Yeah. And if you got a foam plane, it's going to burn the foam. It's going to stink. Yeah. And I mean, the foam stinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The best thing I got that day I had that fire was Mike had some, um, some hand wipes or something, whatever you call them. Baby hand wipes. Hand baby wipes. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That was like the best. I, I would have never thought to put those in, you know, your kit or whatever. But mm-hmm. man, thank God he had that and a and yeah. a garbage bag. <laughs> yes, I put all that in the garbage bag because I'm like, oh, I'll just take you know my motor, my ESC, some yeah. of the stuff that didn't get burned, my receiver, and the rest of the plane home. And I had it in the back of that Jeep, man, in the garbage bag, and it stunk like crazy. Um, I guess that's about it for this. Nice of electricity redux. Let's hear them feedbacks now. No. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have any news except for this couple things about goblins. I don't, I'm sure our, not all our fans are like, God damn, Steve, you keep on talking about damn, those damn rotary wings, those damn helicopters, goblins in particular. This episode, you might as well have just gone by Kevin for the rant you had with helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm going to say it anyways. I love goblins. S A B for life. Now, um, goblin has a nitro. <laughs> I'm laughing because, dude, will it be next episode that you'll say, you know what? I just bought a synergy. No, <laughs> I just bought uh, a logo. No, I, I don't think I would do logo. I don't think I would do synergy. I mean, I would do a synergy, but I just, I don't know. I, I, as I think Fred Fred Provo started giving you crap because I had that. Well, yeah, because I was like, I'm not gonna go V control. I go V control. I'm, uh, you know, and then Fred was like, I'm, you know, because I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the helis pretty much nowadays. And it's like, and Fred's like, oh, oh, after the multi rotor episode, he's like, oh, oh, let's see now, what are you gonna do? You gonna sell all your helis? And I was like, yeah. impossible. He's like, 
But you said you got a V control. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna, spectrum. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna move out of spectrum. You got a V control, and I'm like, that only took a week. <laughs> yes, it only took a week, but that shows my dedication into helis. Yeah, like, V control is only main. It's well, not only, but mainly it's used for helis. So. Yeah, it's like 90, 90, 90 95% percent. Yeah, heli, heli system. You can see Steve just like when he's all alone. Shut up, Fred. It was just a coincidence. <laughs> oh, love you, Fred. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So Goblin has their nitro. It's called Goblin Black Nitro, and they also parallel to that release. They release a Goblin. Now I, I think this name is the stupidest name, and I think it's kind of not racist, but maybe it's slightly controversial. It's called Black Thunder. Well, now that I, you said it. Not racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all mm-hmm. I'm thinking of. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, hey, I call it how I see it or wh- what I think. Okay. Okay. But okay. yeah. All right. So all know. the suspicions were were right. This is a black nitro and a black thunder. Yes. Nice. And what sizes are they? Seven hundred and six hundred. I think the seven hundred and the black thunder is six fifty. Oh, okay. So they've now introduced a new size. I, I don't know. I, I never liked the 600 size. I always liked the 550 and then 7. But Yeah, it was almost the forgotten size, the 630 they had. Yeah, the 630, right. Um, supposedly, the 630, the issue was it was, you know, what they call heavy disc loading, meaning like, you know, the, the helicopter weighed too much for the disc can handle. So with the Black Thunder now, with the 650, they said that it's all gone. So you get the lighter version of a 700 basically so you get like a 700 feel 700 size heli uh flight performance but it's a little bit lighter and you know i guess it's probably a little bit cheaper i guess you know this is a little bit smaller um the black nitro i think it is uh a 700 but don't quote me it might also be a 650 there's not that much information i mean it, it was released at roto live in germany uh two weeks ago or a week ago, yeah, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and you know it's all over Facebook, but there's not like a lot of specs on it. I did link in the our little agenda, little uh, work group here that those are actually videos that Kyle Stacy and I'll post them on the show notes. Um, the Kyle Stacy did an intro video for each of those helis, kind of going over a lot of the the features for it. Oh, cool. Uh, the one thing I want to say about the Black Thunder and the Black Nitro. Is that they have a, a flat black finish on the head that looks amazing? Um, you know they've they've done black, you know finishes on the head, but usually they're glossy, like the Kyle Stacy edition. It's glossy, um, but the flat one just looks, I don't know, just really cool to me. So I kind of like that. Um, and there's you know all there's a lot of videos of uh, the pros flying them at Roto Live. Um, Kyle Stacy, um, the the Korean kid uh, Min Chan Kim, and a couple other SAB pilots. You know, I mean, there's there's quite a bit of them. So it's it'll be easy to find if you uh, take a look on Facebook. And I'm sure those are linked to actual uh, YouTube pages or YouTube videos. So you can probably find them on YouTube too. All right, what will you be working on next? Let's uh let's give this to Nick because he's typing in right now, so I'm just gonna totally screw him up. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, I'll just pull this uh, just out of my head instead. Yeah, yes. I'm just gonna wing it. 
Um, I'll be finishing up uh, the Alps Corsair, uh, trying to get that ready. Um, of course, waiting for Hobby King's shipping to slowly get here on a, a few different orders. Um, I've got an order in for some more rosin paper, so I'll hopefully be able to get working on the uh, Monster Spitfire again. Um, slowly going to be wondering still on how the FAA is going to teach safety. Uh, and that's pretty much about it. They're going to ram it down our throats. I know oh, how they're going to do it. I, I'm waiting to see if, like, they, for, like, the little kids, they're going to start, like, coming out with cartoons. It's like, uh, hey there, boo-boo, let's go fly some RC planes. <laughs> but Yogi, the FAA won't be happy with us, Yogi. You know, what are they going to do? Seriously. They haven't, <laughs> they haven't done <laughs> They haven't done anything yet for safety. They're just rules and regulations to fine us. I know how they're going to do it. They're going to tell us not to fly. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. They're going to show those 50 wartime videos, the kids in the classroom. What is that out the window? A drone? Duck and cover. Yeah. <laughs> get down, like Volcano? <laughs> duck and cover. Yeah, down. get underneath your desk. Like That's going to help. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Uh, it'll be interesting to see, definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you, when you mentioned the rosin paper, where did you where do you order that stuff? Like, Is that just something you order at a craft store? or? Uh, you can get it at Home Depot, Lowe's. Uh, the only issue I had is... Uh, it comes in different weights or thicknesses mm-hmm. of the paper itself, and I just couldn't find any at the store that was the correct thickness that I was already using, and I didn't feel like mix matching. The yeah, they make up. they 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 weigh it or they label it in pounds, fifteen pound, I think, right? Like felt paper, and thirty pound. Uh, I've always seen it labeled as like regular, medium, and heavy weight. Oh, okay. Oh, I hope yeah. the same manufacturer that or you know same company was like. That seems like it could. They yeah, yeah they like made a standard of it. Okay. So uh, what else uh, are you gonna be working on? Uh, trying to figure out how I'm gonna get to Flight Fest. Jump in your car and drive. Uh yeah, you try to fit a Spitfire, mo- monster Spitfire in a small vehicle. How did you bring it out there last year? I rented an RV with a few people. Ah. Oh right. Remember, I had Josh with me and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm. I haven't been in contact with him, so I have no idea if he's coming this year or not, or what's happening. Yeah, and if you were on our way from this side, I would say, hey, you know, we could come pick you up. But yeah, yeah, no. I'm uh, three hours north of the destination you're going to be at, so. Yeah. I could always bunk in your RV, <laughs> just drive myself down there, somehow. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let's see if I can, uh, I don't know, I, I still got a couple of people I'm asking about and trying to get them to go with me, okay. but uh, if not, yeah, I'm probably going to pack up a vehicle and drive down. Yeah, but how are you going to transport that Spitfire, though? I'm still trying to figure it out, because I've got a small pickup, and I don't have a cap or anything for it, so huh, i got to figure you... something out. I mean, well, if you have a pickup, can you do like a small U-Haul, toy hauler type of deal, a little... You know, thirty dollar mm. whatever trailer, trailer. Maybe. Yeah, I might be able to do something like that. Yeah, put it yeah. on a string, maybe. Mm-hmm. Tow it, <laughs> tow it like a kite. A kite. Yeah. yeah, that that would be sweet. But uh, <laughs> they wouldn't. Get any yeah. stop and go traffic would uh, probably wreck it. 
yeah, probably wreck it. I'm sure that the police and the DOT are not going to like that. <laughs> They're flying that thing. I'm not serious. <laughs> it, it would be a it'd be a great test to see if it's strong enough to handle it. Sure. Let's see what it could do at 100. Well, if <laughs> you're going to do that, then you might as well pack it full of all your stuff and fly it down. Used to sit in it. You want to buy the solar cells so I can keep the battery charged? <laughs> there you go. You would just have to land every 20 minutes. Charge up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not I either. That. I think uh, I think a battery was what like six minutes of flight time. All right. Yeah, just quadruple it up. Six There's minutes of flying and fourteen minutes of gliding. Put there flaps on that bad boy. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Kevin, what are you going to be up to? Um, I'm going to be working on my normal size Corsair and my little special project that I got cooking for Flight Fest 16. I don't know if I'm going to tell everybody what it is yet. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool, and I don't want to get too far into it, but the coolness is going to be what it's made out of um, if things work out. So I'll be working on so that I'm getting my regular size version of that plane ready to test out because I'm using some older balsa kit plans, and I'm really not sure where the ailerons are on it and... I'm not. Sh- I know how the. F- I want to make them kind of similar to the way the, the flight test planes are made, where it's a foldover wing. But if you notice on the on the trailing edge of all those wings, it kind of m- most of them fall off. You know, have that the the underneath part is straight, and then the overhead part kind of flaps over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I want to see how that works with this design and test that out first. That's my biggest concern. I mean, nice. isn't that how the wings are though? And on that that. You know, plane isn't it more of a uh, a top airfoil and flat on the bottom? Yeah, or it is. is. It symmetrical? No, it's no. It's He's definitely talking not about symmetrical. Like the... No, but I'm talking about if you, if you flip over any flight test plane, yeah, you see that. Yeah, the... towards the back where the the bottom cuts off, but the top. Oh uh, yeah, comes you talk back. about the little bit of overhang. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Then I'll probably do the same pockets on the on the wingtips too. You know, like they do. But I want to test it all out. Yeah. Yeah. I want to test it all out on a 47 you know, inch first before I build something large. Nice. Right. Cool. So what are you working on, man? I'm trying to sell that damn Blade 180CFX. Oh, look it. Yeah. Right there. Hey, Fred. Yeah. How's it going? He's selling his helicopter. Oh, Here it geez. goes. It wasn't even the next episode. <laughs> Holy. No, no, this, is, this is a piece of crap, Helly. I mean, sorry for all Blade folks out there. I just... You know, you know, Kevin. I mean, I crashed mine at, at Nef too, and I mean, I held out from selling that. I wanted to sell that at the same time I sold the the three sixty CFX, but um, I was like, I need a tiny little heli to fly at Nef. Half a battery crashed. I was just, I did not like that heli. It just doesn't fly right. So yes, I am selling a heli, but in turn, that Oxy three Tariq edition is replacing its spot on the fleet. So. Mm-hmm. Am I really selling a heli, or am I upgrading to a newer heli? Hmm. <laughs> selling a fleet always starts with one. <laughs> but that's <laughs> buying up one, though. <laughs> the numbers aren't going down. <laughs> I'll tell you, dude, I have to agree with you, though. That 180, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like, eh, I probably yeah. won't fly it a lot. Yeah, I'm done. But it's a good – I don't want to knock it, though, because I really liked it for the, the time that I flew it, and I don't want to say it's a bad heli. I think it was good for where I was at. I think it's 
really easy to fix, which makes it that much more of a better heli, you know, than some of the some of the smaller ones you get where they have the tail rotor and you know motor and stuff like that, and it's just a mess. Yeah, you know, some of the cheaper stuff you can get. I th- I think for what it for what it is and you know what I used it for, it worked out great. Yeah, I mean, there's a I guess there's a skill level in place for it, and and don't get me wrong, if if a pro were to pick it up and you know start flying it, probably fly the crap out of it. Um, but for me and the way I fly, I don't like it. I don't like having inconsistent flights between battery packs on the same heli, you know? Um, and that's what I had with that. Like I would use, put a battery pack, fly, it'd be okay. And then I fly it again and like, Oh, the tail's not really holding too well. And then yeah. do something else. And it's like, you know, I try to do uh, a, a flip like, you know, a nose over flip, a front flip. And it's just like, I'm hitting a negative all the way down for it to not crash yeah. into the like yep you know like it's just not consistent and and for me i can't learn if i if the helicopter's not consistent i need to be able to go back to back flights move the sticks the same amount and know that the heli is going to react the same every time and i get that with the oxy and so i bought another oxy i don't get that with the blade and that's why i'm getting out of the blade helis you know so yes fred have a laugh i'll give you a moment all right, that's enough. Okay, so Stop laughing. Yeah, I'm go ahead. Give me a call. We'll keep the laugh going. Later. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So okay, so uh, I'm gonna fix the mini rating that I um, crashed at FlyFest. I mean, not FlyFest at Neff, so I can have it ready for FlyFest. I want to do that normal line of sight flying. I have the bigger rating. I'm gonna do FPV. Um, also, Kevin hooked us up with the uh, the new lightweight for a sweeping wing plane called the dart um all his planes i'll call it km dart km raiden km mini raiden um uses initials um but the dart one of the awesome parts about this plane it's about the same size as the mini raiden as far as wingspan and stuff like that but it doesn't have a fold over wing um the fuselage is a lot thinner and smaller and so it's kind of i guess more sleeker and that's why he calls it the dart um but it weighs less than half a pound. Yep. So that means you don't have to register it to fly. You don't have to have your FAA number on it or none of that stuff. Now, I guess it depends on the battery pack. Um, Do you remember, Kevin, what he said he uses in there? Uh, I thought it was 850. What, 800 milliamp 3S? Or, no, I think he was talking about a 2S pack. I thought he had an 800, yeah, 2S. I'm not sure, it, man. I'm not sure. Because, I mean, obviously I, it depends on the the battery i know that it used a um used a straight up uh quad motor like mini quad motor right yeah yeah 1804 1806 or 2204 um i don't know the exact battery but i know with the battery that he recommends it is underneath two sticks of butter so Mm -hmm. two sticks of butter yeah so that is awesome and it's not a small plane no it's pretty substantial size it's about a 30 some 30 inch wingspan and you know probably about it's I think it's thirty thirty, like thirty inch fuselage too. So like it has presence in the sky, you know? It's great for that. So I have the Hive two ten built. I don't have FPV gear on it, but I have it built, so I wanna uh fly that quad, uh two ten size quad and in line of sight. So I'm gonna have that ready for this Saturday and I'm gonna make it in this Saturday and hopefully I'll get uh Rich who was on the show last week to uh help me tune it and get that going. Which means Fred Monday he's gonna sell another helicopter. Mm-hmm. He's done. 
Oh man. Oh man. Uh, Fred is right now in his car saying, I told you so. I told you so. No. <laughs> oh boy. But um, let's see. I want to do a build for Flight Fest. I'm starting to think about what I can build for Flight Fest. You gonna do I, something big like us or uh, maybe not some big per se, but something I haven't really seen. You know, it's going to be Dollar Tree foam. It's going to be made out of foam. Um, I want to make it somewhat a little bit bigger than, you know, maybe like a 45 or 50 inch or 60 inch wingspan. I don't know. We'll see. It depends on the model I'm, I'm going to pick. But I have two models in my mind. I don't want to really disclose that yet because I don't know if they're going to be feasible. But I thought uh, it was going to be something we haven't seen. I mean, Flight yeah. Fest is almost nothing but foam. Yes. Well, it's foam. So it's keeping in line with the heritage of Flight Fest, mm-hmm. but it's a model that I don't, I've never seen at Flight Fest or Flight Test to do any reviews on, or you know, any folks. I mean, maybe on the forums they might. I, I don't browse forums as often as I should, so I'm not sure. But um, yeah. So one plane I have an idea. It's going to be a 20 DF type of plane, and the other one's going to be a little bit more of a classic pylon racer or something like that so i I really haven't decided i'm gonna i'm taking a look at some balsa kit plans um and seeing what plans i can convert into foam what will work you know and see kind of which way i want to go so we'll see hopefully um hopefully i'll have enough time to get it done because i still have a couple things i want to do with my existing fleet for flight fest like you know get them running and fly them again so i know if they fly so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, i'm right there with you so yeah so we'll see all right uh let's do the wrap up kevin go all right we got some listeners some more listeners and this one i'm, I'm actually really happy about because i've been waiting for this state to show up it's idaho potato yes You guys even know what this song is? Yeah. All right, I can't play too much of that song because we'll get fined yeah. by another <laughs> another government agency if I do. Uh, dude, so I've been I've been waiting for that. Wow. You one have my been, favorite huh? one of my favorite B fifty two songs. Yeah, you had you you had it ready. And <laughs> one of my know. favorite and one of my favorite like ways of putting people down. I can say you're living in your own private Idaho. Yes. So anyways, in the world we have uh some new listeners in Mexico, which I don't think we mentioned before. Hmm. So Tengo Cucina. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Which That's means me. I have a knife. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. No, actually no. Not. I do have a knife. Yeah. Is it really a joke? Not really. No. Well, it is a joke from, I guess, how it, came, how it came up to him wanting to learn that word or learning the word that learn that phrase. Um, but oh, yeah, a guy at work told me to walk up to this guy and say Tango Kachina. So I did. And he <laughs> ran. And I said, well, what did I just say? And he said, you told me you had a knife. Like, All right. <laughs> So then I started um, saying Tango Pistola. <laughs> <laughs> right, never mind. Oh, boy. All right. 
I don't think we're going to do much with Instagram comments because we got so many. Thanks, guys, for commenting and yes. and and all the stuff you guys were doing on Instagram because we went to Neff and we were posting pictures like crazy um, and videos and you guys yes. were, were liking and commenting so much um, we kind of lost lost track of where we were at. So, um, yeah, I mean, Instagram, I mean, it's great. Uh, yeah, we it was a lot. Even on Facebook, um, I posted a whole bunch of videos and pics. Kevin kind of took care of the Instagram side um, through Neff, and I took care of more of the Facebook side. And, um, yeah, we, we I think we got a couple more followers or likes from, from Neff. Um, I've noticed uh, Neff, the organization or the club or the event, folks uh shared out one of our videos and that got a lot of traction and you know a lot of likes and a lot of views and stuff so um yeah you know yeah. thanks everyone on facebook on instagram all our followers all the people that liked our content um you know thank you thanks to all the the people that came up to us at nef and were like you know talking to us and hanging out and making it enjoyable for us you know yes and thanks for the nef guys that that do that to put it on yes. every year Yes, like there were people who organized them. Mark, uh, what was the? Uh, I know Mark, but what was the other the, the guy who was talking during the pilot meeting? Uh, Tony. There's Tony, Mark, Dennis is at the at the desk there. Front, yes, Dennis. Um, they were doing this whole. Uh, Bernie was the old guy who was telling everybody to keep their planes up in the air when somebody ran out to, to the yes, field. Yes, and he's the one who built the uh, Trojan T20. I wonder who won that. The big Trojan T20. Oh yeah, they yeah the right that's right the they had. Uh, what size is that? That's the five hundred and fifty dollar one. That's the big one that they had on flight uh, test. What do you know that which one that is? How big that is, Nick? The the Horizon Hobby one, the um the big high. You know, it's I the don't know offhand. big one. It's it's Mondo size. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now, dude. Uh, yeah, let's see. I what, don't know what the size is. I think it's like sixty or seventy. Sixty three inch length. Okay, so that's bigger wing then. I bet. Uh, wingspan is 78 inch wingspan. 78, yeah. So yeah, they were auctioning off that humongous, um, thing, uh, plane. Well, it was a raffle. A raffle. Sorry. Yes. A raffle. Um, thank you. You bought tickets, got a raffle ticket. I don't know who won it, but whoever did, that's awesome. Uh, it wasn't me. I think it, yeah, it wasn't me or Kevin or, but, um, it, I think also came with a success battery pack from Luke's RC. Nice. Uh, Luke's RC is great. I, I, you know, I always stop by there and buy stuff. I always go to Laser Toys at Neff and buy stuff from them. Dan and uh, his yeah. wife. Uh, what's his wife's name? Do you recall? Uh, that's not his wife. Okay. I don't. I don't know what her name is though. But yeah, the, yeah, because I see her and Dan at every you know Ohio event that we go to. Flight. We stick him out to Jersey. We saw him at Ram. Oh yeah, at the Ram show too. Yes. Yeah. Same with Luke's RC. Same with Luke's RC. Um. And uh, and Michigan see. Park Flyers was out there too. There, yep. West Michigan Park Flyers. I bought West a bunch. Michigan. Of, West Michigan, yep. I bought a bunch of uh, electronics for the Raiden from them. Uh, yeah, of course they have to be on the west side. And I'm on the east side. Is that far? A uh, couple hour drive. Yeah. Okay, that's far. Enough. So yeah, you know, thanks to all the vendors out there. That was great. Uh, yeah. So I, we got some Facebook likes. We're at 142 likes now. Um, the most recent one, so I'll just kind of read their names and give them a shout out, and you know, thank you for liking the page. It is Cody Warnick, Wayne, Wayne, Pammer, Pamer, 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 Monty Hardman, Monty, hey Monty, 
Um, <laughs> this one's funny. Usually Facebook you use like, you know, for the most part it's a real name. Unless his parents really hated him. Or you're running from the police. You're running from the police. Or um, maybe he's Ghost Rider. Maybe he is a ghost. Yeah, but his name is Ghost X, Ghost X, Ghost X. Do not unfriend him. (laughs) Right. Uh, We got Dan Brewer, Chad Lewis, and Paul Thomas. I think that's about it for that. Uh, You want to do the Podbean? We have one Podbean shout out, and that goes to the flight test community cast guys mike hey. mike pat joel and sometimes fred i think so yep thank you guys uh uh let's see here uh we, do we have itunes reviews did you check that i did there are no new reviews on itunes sweet drop us an itunes review and we'll read it re- <laughs> we'll read the review on the next episode all right, let's, uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at freefallrc at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com, freefallrcpodcast. Uh, don't forget to check out our webpage. It's freefallrcpodcast.com. Uh, we're going to try to add more content. I'm going to talk to uh, Chris about, you know, maybe adding an event page where we can have event galleries from you know, specific events like FlyFest and NEF and, and you know, the, the one that we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be hosting here at our club. Well, right. We didn't even talk about that. Next time. We'll talk about it next time yeah. when, it's, when it's hammered out. Yeah, yeah. When, when, yeah, when we get more de- uh, details ready for that. Um, check out the forums on the Flight Test forums on the audio and video production side, other than Flight Test Podcast, and then you'll see us there with uh, Flight Test Community Cast, free for RC podcast with sections each there. If you want stickers, message us. Send us your address. Reach out to us, and we'll get those sent out to you. You can uh, just send me more. Okay. Sure. No problem. <laughs> I don't care. You sent, like, what, like, ten of them to me? Yeah, I gave you ten with that little sparky Mm -hmm. sticker. (laughs) Yeah, and after seeing your your cut-up mess of stickers on your plane, (laughs) I started looking at my uh, fat sharks. I was like, hmm, I could totally put a few stickers across this. Yeah, I'll send you out some more, Nick, no problem. Um, Nick, do you want to give any contact info on how, if someone has more questions about electricity, can I contact you? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. Flying Simpson on Insta- Instagram. I'm Simpson on the flight test forums. Uh, hit me up on there. Uh, if you manage to find me on Facebook, sure. Uh, we can talk. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't really have an email or anything I want to give out at the moment. No, that's cool. All right. So uh, thanks to all our listeners and all our fans and and, you know, Guys putting up with our stuff. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Thanks for putting up with us. Yeah. (laughs) All right. See you all next time. See you guys. See you guys. Free our sky. I want to add that. I want want that to be a more slogan at the end. Free our sky. See you next time. You want to say that? Like, and I'll put it over the music at the end or something? Or you want me to say it? You say it. You can do the welcome and after. Welcome. You should do it like that. Like Yogi.